Hey everybody, you are listening to the We Are Rising podcast. Your complete source for everything there is to know about the Rising Fighting Federation. I am your host, Andrew Benjamin, and I am joined once again by a special guest, uh, co-host, that is Christian Gary from Focus Fights. Well, thank you for having me on once again, Andrew Benjamin. I know you're enjoying... I know you're enjoying everything there is about Japan right now, as you are over there. And, well, I'm just sitting here in the central time zone early in the morning mm-hmm. trying to stay fully awake. Same <laughs> yeah. here. Well, it is now twelve, almost 1 a.m. where I am in Tokyo. Um, and actually, I got back from Osaka today uh, and took the uh, Shinkansen, that's the bullet train, um, Back to back here, and I am pretty exhausted, because um, it is also about almost it is around ninety over ninety degrees Fahrenheit over here. Oh, that's crazy! And you probably are, are um, yeah. You probably are thinking like that's that's like normal weather in Texas or something for summer. Oh, yes, it's definitely normal weather here in Texas. <laughs> but the issue here is that. I am it the air is so damn dry you can hardly breathe. It feels like I I can't it's 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 so hard to breathe with in, in this air. It's it's I've never felt I've never felt like anything before before in my entire life. It is a struggle so to, so it's basically a dry heat is what you're saying. It is it is an extreme dry heat and um Especially around uh, morning, uh, morning, afternoonish, uh, uh, like twelve p.m., eleven a.m. That is at the absolute hottest, and I have probably lost about ten or twenty pounds of sweat just walking through, just 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 by walking, and it's it's it's, it's yes, this is so, this is incredible. Br- Incredible, brutal weather over here. Hmm. I see, but I hope that hot weather didn't cause you to not enjoy the rising event this past weekend because it was amazing. Yeah, speaking of uh, of uh, things that you, like you could say were brutal um, or hot in its own right, yes, uh, the Rise and Eleven show from this past Sunday was uh, was absolutely fantastic. Um, Actually got uh, uh for those that didn't maybe didn't hear the preview podcast um I am I did get to attend the show in Japan um uh, I actually was going to originally attend it just as a fan but um I got sent press credentials by Ryzen uh, by by Ryzen officials and I filled it out and um they didn't really think that it was gonna pan out anything, but, uh, they actually approved them, and got to attend the event as credentialed press, uh, I did try, I did get, want to try, I did try, want to go to the, the pre-fight, the pre-fight post, uh, uh, press conference, the weigh-ins and the post-fight press conferences, but, um, I don't know why, but they never approved me for those just for the event, uh, I did put in the application specifically. I want to attend all the events, 
related to Ryzen 11, but they only approved me for the actual show, which I honestly don't know what that's about, but that's how that's that's how it happened. Um, so it's actually. But you did get a chance to actually talk to some folks and put it up on the We Are Rising YouTube channel. Oh yes, the the new Rise We Are Rising YouTube channel, where the first video was me. <laughs> I was a video of of me accidentally not realizing. Oh, my my phone is is upside down and it's taking an interview of Darian Cruikshank. That's what happens when when audio when audio podcast people try to delve into video uh, uh, without a moment's notice. Um, yeah, that's okay. I'm pretty sure he probably didn't notice it either. <laughs> uh, but there's uh, I have to commend. The professionalism of of Ryzen, they were the way that they ran the 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 media center, did the interview uh uh did the interviews, and allowed questions and answers. Uh, was incredibly professional. Uh, it was very. I I I liked what I liked their setup. Um, and it was definitely organized in a very professional manner. That I can, you know, I can honestly, I can honestly say, you know, they did, uh, it went very smoothly. Um, I'll say this though. So, normally for press, people that are, uh, that are credentialed for press for MMA shows, uh, I've done, I've, I've been credentialed for, for Bellator, PFL, um, Press Professional Fighters League, formerly, uh, World Series mm-hmm. of Fighting. Then what mm-hmm. they do is that they'll have press near near cage side and like this in this little like this little this little press area but that's not how Ryzen did theirs so all the photographers they had their press area in a certain room yes yes um photographers are actually all the way up in the back they're not ringside like in the nose please right yes uh, yeah which I was really surprised about, um, because that's not how the I know that's not how UFC does it. That's not how Bellator does it. That's how uh, PFL does it. Um, so I was actually really surprised about that. That they uh, put them all the way up there. Uh, now for the the uh, the the media center, what they do is journalists, reporters go down, and this is for Saitama Arena. Uh, they go all the way down into the basement of Saitama, basically where I guess you could where they, I would say, it's near where they bring in probably the ring and the other and, and the banners. It's near it's near one of the garages, and then they have, uh, you they have tables and chairs and outlets for for media to set their their, their computers. And uh, mm-hmm. audio recordings and every, anything else. Also, and, and to the side, uh, they have they have the little s- section where the fighters sit and the media can ask them questions. And just to the left of that, they have a television that's streaming the uh, the Ryzen show. So okay. that's uh, that's that how, pretty cool. Yeah, uh, the only thing that that's bad is uh, when they have a fighter who's 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 uh, Coming down to be interviewed, and it's during uh, a fight, and that did happen quite a few times. Um, 
So it's, it's sometimes hard to, you know, listen to what the, what the fighter is saying or trying to ask a question. And then to the left because of... Because of the entrance music and the... Oh, well, well, what they do is they mute, they mute the television. So, oh, okay. uh, so you can only, you know, obviously you give all the attention to the fire, but like out of the corner of your eye, you're seeing like Melvin Gillard and Takanori Gomi, uh, throwing, uh, throwing bombs at each other. And like, you're trying to, you're trying to listen to, uh, whoever, whichever fighter is, uh, talking, uh, about their fight, you know, uh, you try to like pay attention to them. It's uh it's a very, um, it was a very interesting way of doing things. Um, but I do. There's one. There's one uh, gentleman I I do have to give a shout out to, who basically helped me at, get around. On uh, uh, that is Bruno Masami. You know who that is? Uh, yes, I think I know exactly who that is. He's a. I mean, I'm not trying to say that he's a famous Brazilian MMA insider, but he's probably one of the best MMA insiders to come out of that country. That actually does, like, I mean, he's basically doing good when it comes down to these shows. He, I mean, what am I trying to say? He's, uh, I can understand that he helped you a lot, and, you know, he was probably one of the main ones who can speak fluent English or can actually help you out when it comes down to getting interviews with the Brazilian fighters. Am I right? Oh, yes, yes, um. Cause when when we got to, when we got there, um, you know, it's it, here's the thing. It's mostly Japanese um, media there, and so um, me and my crew, we stuck out. We clearly stuck out like a sore thumb among the among the entire uh, Japanese media there. So um, when we got when we got to the uh, fir- when we first got to the arena, they they put us at the top at the top section with the photographers, and so. Mm-hmm. Um, what happens? What happens is that um, this uh, this gentleman comes up to us and uh, and asks uh, and asks uh, who we are. You know where we're from, and uh, we we explain it. And he says, "Oh, I, I pay attention to you guys. Uh, I, I'm Bruno Masami from uh, uh, from a tw- uh, MMA Twitter, whatever it is." And um, yeah, basically, uh, he was. He helped us like find all the media center. He helped us get around. He was he was helping translate uh, the Portuguese, the Brazilian fighters, um, mm-hmm. when they were giving up uh, promos. Uh, a little bit of the Japanese stuff as well, um, but also just being you know, it was being being so helpful and just you know being this a new environment where we clearly did not know. Our heads from our asses, just because you know we're. I also say this as well. So a lot the other than one document, um, Ryzen sent us all the press releases all in Japanese. Uh-huh. So I had to use Google Translate to 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 translate. Uh, okay, this is where we have to go. This is what we gotta do. This is who we gotta check in with. So, but it was good to have somebody there who. Who who could help who could help us around and so that we wouldn't look like total like we we didn't look totally out of place if you get what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking at his Twitter right now at B R Masami M A S A M I. He is the MMA and Combat Sports Fighting News Editor 
Gazeta Esportiva in Brazil. Oh, yeah. So, yes. G-A-Z-E-T-A-E-S-P-O-R-T-I-V-A. Yes, he is uh, fluent in, uh, in, in, in Portuguese, and he does understand some Japanese. Um, uh, I, I, and he is uh, based out of Japan as well. At, um, so, mm-hmm. yeah, it, he... Uh, he know, he gets a lot of great scoops, you know, when it comes to, uh, to uh, Japanese MMA, uh, and also uh, even uh, from the uh, from from MMA from Brazil. So he's a great he's a great person to to follow and pay attention to if you are if you ever like to hear like breaking scoops or any any sort of details, uh, from the Japanese MMA scene. Mm-hmm. I can understand that, and for those of y'all that want to follow him, he is on Twitter at BR Masami. And but other than that, I'm glad you had fun when it came down to this event. Let's go ahead and talk some more about it. And overall, uh, what did you think about this show, Christian? Oh, well, to me, I mean, for me, I originally thought that this show was just going to be all types of questionable. It was just going to be like, okay, I don't know how this was going to work. I mean, I hope it doesn't become a stinker, this, that, and the other. But, I mean, this show was really dealt a huge blow prior to the show beginning when there was supposed to be a Ren Nakai versus Shusuka Shia and Sugiyama fight. I'm pretty sure you remember this, right? Yeah. Well, you know what the funny thing is? Uh, and we can talk... Uh... We'll talk about what replaced that. Um, I actually learned that the day of, because actually it happened. Uh, the fight got canceled the, uh, the day before. But um, what happened was that, well, uh, first off, um, when we when the when it was announced, I believe I was on try. So they had the weigh-ins. So let me, let me mm-hmm. get my calendar up, um, just to, just so I can uh, orient myself. When uh the the show was on the twenty ninth, and this and the cancellation happened literally on the twenty eighth, I believe, right? Yeah, I think it happened on the morning of the weigh-ins. Okay, you know, uh, I don't pay. I'm not always on Twitter. It's 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 you know there are days where I'm on it more than uh some more than others, but not this day. Not you know I I I was not on this day for whatever reason. So I didn't learn. Until I got to the arena, that they replaced the that that sh- that that match was canceled, and was eventually replaced. Uh, well, uh, mm-hmm. so that was uh, I was incredibly that I found like incredibly surprised. First of all, you know, Ryzen, you know, finding a fight the day of, you know, scrambling the fight the day of, you know, good on them. You know, they they must have been they must have been. On their feet, you know, as soon as they, uh, as soon as they learned the cancellation. And in fact, actually, just to clarify, she got a. Uh, it was d- d- uh, Ring Nakai had a. She had some complications with the weight cuts, uh, and she got a acute. Uh, what was it? A, 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 acute nephritis, aka yeah. inflamed kidneys. Um and uh yeah, so you know, if there's that's a common, that seems to be a common. Kidney issues seem to be a common thing among people who cut massive amounts of weight. So, 
It's no surprise, mm-hmm. and especially you know if you if you look at Rina Kai, she's a short but very uh, very built woman. So cutting away for her is probably not the easiest thing, especially cutting down to. I think she was supposed to fight at one twenty five, right? Or was it one thirty five? Yeah, she was supposed. She was supposed. Ah, damn, she was supposed to fight at one hundred and twenty five pounds. Yes, and uh, probably a weight that she is. Uh, I. I Someone of her, of her build is very hard to get to, and you know, not surprising. You know, her body just said, "Can't we can't do this anymore? We can't do this anymore." So they, uh, yeah, unfortunately, she uh, had to be uh, pulled out of the uh, show. Um, mm-hmm. Other than that, though, you did bring up a good point that you know that this show seemed to be. It's it, it was not necessarily you know it. it not necessarily that it was dealt a bad hand overall, but there was definitely something about this this card that didn't scream, you know. I don't think was like this. Doesn't seem to be this scream a screaming uh, a a fantastic show of the year contender type show. But I think in the end, that's how this show turned out to be. Was it's honestly one of the best MMA shows of the year. Mhm. I mean, especially seeing the fact that. If I'm not mistaken, six of the ten fights that were on the card ended in finishes. That was pretty damn impressive for a show that was pretty much on the ropes when Andy Sauer got out and went to the 1FC. And even though one fight in particular sucked, I'm pretty sure you know what that is. We'll get to that in a little bit. But I originally thought that the worrisome fight of the night was going to be Gilliard versus Gummy because we all know Gummy came in at 160 pounds. Gilliard came in three pounds over. Oh, yes, and that was another thing I, that was another thing I uh, didn't learn about until after. Um, was that, a, well, you know, I should have been, you know, surprising, you know, Gilliard missing weight, you know. I mean, that's like, that's, that's a given at this point, unfortunately. It's expected. Mm-hmm. Um, I can understand that, but still. He's been in the game, he's been in the fight game for 14 fucking years. And yeah, I know I'm using exclusives earlier, but I, mean, I know I'm using exclusives earlier, but the point of the matter is, he's been in the game long enough to know how to cut weight properly and how not to come in over the fight, I mean, over the weight limit. He should know this by now. Uh, he actually, uh, you know, I'll say, you know, if there's any silver lining, you know, he didn't come in massively overweight. Not that saying that what he did was any better, but it seemed like this was his most or like least least amount of weight that he missed. I guess if that if there's if, there's, if we have to think positively. Um. Mm-hmm. He came over um, 0. 0.2 uh, kilograms, I believe it was, uh, over the weight, yeah, and um, kilograms or three pounds. And uh, w- uh, we'll also talk about what he uh, what he had to say about that because uh, he did do a post fight interview and uh, he had some uh, interesting things to say about uh, about what about the rules uh, about about what he and Gomi agreed to after he missed the weight uh, uh, that this uh, mm-hmm. was come in. Because um, I know he basically said, and one of the things that he did say was, you know, if I wanted to come over here 
I mean, if I wanted to come over here and have all of my things, all of my tools stripped away, I would have still been doing Western MMA in the UFC. Yes, yes, and uh, unfortunately, you know, um, when you don't, when you don't, when you fail, when you fail to come in at what you're supposed to uh, contract your weight is, you know, you're gonna have uh, things taken away from you as uh, as it should be, and if you want to fight like like they do in Pride, then do the professional thing and come in at the weight that you're supposed to come contracted in. Exactly. But uh, overall, yes, I thought this was an amazing show. Uh, not not even just the finishes, but even for the sh- the matches that didn't have finishes, they were all all but one. I'll say was inc- were all exciting, and just they told. It, it was almost uh, they. It was almost like this was this was almost like a prof- a great professional, uh, a great booked professional wrestling show. Where all the fu- mm-hmm. almost all the fights had great stories behind them, and the stories told all made sense and had all all had finishes that 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 that, that elevate the people beh- that are in the fights that that were the winners. Basically, in the case of a certain professional wrestling writer that I will not name, you had a bunch of. Three, four, and a couple of five-star finishes, and one dud. Oh, well, on that card. well, a dud is pro- is being generous in my opinion, but yes, exactly, exactly what you're talking about is that this uh this is exactly what it it, it was a it was almost if you had told me that this was a this if this was booked. By a professional, a good professional wrestling booker like Ghetto from mm-hmm. New Japan, I could believe it because it, it this is how it all, it, it all made sense and it it all worked out, and with the exception of one stinker, you know, this I think this will this is a a show of the year contender, and I hope that people remember it when votes come in for for fantastic MMA shows this year. Um, I'm trying to think of. Other ones offhand. Um, uh, it's real. I'm trying to think of any UFC shows, any PFL shows. Uh, prob- certainly not any Bellator shows I can think of. Mm, well, they- well, actually, let's give it time, though. They still have a heavyweight Grand Prix to finish up. That's true. That's true. We'll have to see uh, how uh, Chael versus uh, Fedor, the uh, match of the century, turns out. Yeah, but still, I think I get what you mean. This fight card, with the exception of that one fight that sucked, I think it has what it takes to be a fight of the year candidate. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Um, and uh, speaking of um, of uh, of those six finishes that we're talking about, uh, you want to get into the first fight? Uh, yes. Let's go ahead and get into fight number one. It was. Darren Crookshank defeating Tom Santos via tap out due to mounted elbows at four minutes thirteen seconds of round number three. Uh, well, first off, I gotta point out that uh, Darren Crookshank once again best entrance, one of the best entrances in MMA now, coming out to "I'm a Real American." Fantastic! Uh-huh. I'm glad that he did not change that up because I was worried that he might change it up, but uh, no, he did not. 
Um, well, actually, when it comes down to a Crookshank entrance, it doesn't matter if it's Rick Derringer's Real American or James Brown's Living in America. He stills gonna. I mean, he is still gonna have a great ass entrance. Yes. Um, and um, well, you know the the funny the the story behind this fight. Well, first of all, did you see what happened with uh, Tom Santos's finger during this match? Uh, I probably might have missed out on that. Well, what happened? I, I mean, what the hell happened? Uh, he dislocated his. I bl- I'm trying. Was it his? I believe his right ring finger. Oh. Damn. So, if you remember during the match, the first, uh, I think it was the second round, uh, the f- they 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 stopped the fight. Well, they didn't stop the fight, but they took a timeout to look at his hands. And I think, uh, mm-hmm. I think uh, what happened was that they were checking to see if his hand was broken or something, but it was actually his finger that dislocated. Uh, but, uh, they still continued the fight, uh, regardless. Uh, I don't know if he told them that his hand was okay, or that, uh, they saw it and they still didn't continue, but, uh, that's what apparently happened during the fight, was that he did dislocate his finger, and, uh, during mm-hmm. the post-fight uh, interview, Tom Santos said that, uh, this is, it was one of the reasons why, uh, the second round, you see, the first round was a very, was very fast-paced, um, with uh, Darren Crookshank doing lots of lots of spinning kicks. That's what I remember from this fight was that Darren Crookshank was going for a lot of spinning roundhouse kicks, and Tom Santos was counterpunching. But during the second round, they both kind of um, it kind of like slowed down a pace. The pace really slowed down a lot, mm-hmm. and uh, that's what. Uh, yeah. mm-hmm. Sorry, go ahead. What were you gonna say? I'm pretty sure it did slow down a lot because. In that first round, even though they don't score the fights by round, they score the whole damn thing. But in that first round, clearly, Crookshank was dominating. Oh, yes. Oh, absolutely. But then in the second round, um, I think that's what happened was that the finger, the broken finger effect, uh, not broken, but uh, dislocated finger affected uh, Tom Santos. And, um, mm-hmm. and then um, there was, uh, when we go to the third round, um, yeah, uh, he uh, uh, Darren Kushrank, um managed to to knock down Santos and uh, got those uh, got got into his originally his um maybe his side uh, his side mount but then got into full full mount and then just delivered I think it was only about two elbows before the referee saw, uh, the t- Santos uh, you said he tapped out right. Yeah, he tapped out due to a mounted elbow. I originally thought it was a damn knockout. I thought so, too. I posted that on my other, I mean, the other blog page that I work on, the MMA Opinion on Facebook, but, yeah, he tapped out due to a mounted elbow. He just couldn't take the punishment anymore. And I'll say this, after, when when Tom Shadows did did his uh, post-fight interview, and that's the thing as well, uh, uh, fighters, even if they lose... If they are not dead, they are still required to do media interviews for Ryzen. When when, wow. when Santos came into the room, his face looked like it was all bandaged up around his forehead and in his eyes. It looked disgusting, and yeah, um, he he bled open pretty pretty bad during this match. Uh, after uh, after those elbows, yeah, 
it was disgusting, like how how it uh just those those elbows uh that cracked mm-hmm. him open. I bet he looked like a piece of ground hamburger meat. Oh yeah, and and worse, uh, a, a piece of ground hamburger meat with a uh, with a dislocated finger. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, Darren Cruikshank took this uh, took this match, and I think uh, we both predicted it um, correctly that uh, Cruikshank would win and by uh, knockout. Yeah, but neither of us knew that it was gonna be a down tap out due to strikes, but it's pretty similar to a knockout because if you can't, I mean, if you know you can't take the punishment anymore, the best thing you need to do is either tap out live to fight another day or get knocked out and not have to wake up for another few minutes and have to, well, face the consequences of a concussion later on. But, yeah, Cruikshank did get the victory. We did predict that. Hopefully Santos will live to fight another day. And, of course, in Cruikshank's post-fight speech, he talked the usual about guns, Detroit, and his family and well, put over his fight team, Michigan top team in Wayne, Michigan, and he offered support to those Japanese, I mean, to the Japanese people who were basically still going through the sudden recent tragedy that's happened in Osaka. Uh, the tragedy, sorry, what was it, do you remember what he was referring to with the tragedy in Osaka? Uh, I think it was, if I'm not mistaken, it was a tsunami... Uh, it wasn't as serious as the Fukushima Daiichi tsunami and earthquake that happened seven years ago, but it was it was like a hurricane. I mean, it was like what would be similar to a hurricane here in the states, especially in the southern states. Yeah, we did have a typhoon. We had a typhoon here on Saturday, the day before rising, um, but um, I don't remember hearing anything. Um, I think it, oh, I think I know what he's referring to. Um, I think it was, I think it was Okinawa, or there was, there was a lot of flooding in one part of Japan, maybe Okinawa or Fukuoka, but I don't think it was Osaka, I don't, I don't think it was Osaka, because we went to Osaka today, oh yeah, not today, but uh, yesterday, and we didn't see anything like that, so, may, may not have been Osaka, um, but I know, I think, I, I remember what, what he's talking about now, is that there was, yeah, there was some flooding or something where, um, some, a bunch of people did get, uh, they get killed, unfortunately. Um, mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, so, yeah, uh, now, uh, during his post-fight interview, uh, Darren Cruikshank um, um, was asked about uh, who he sh- who would like to fight next, and he said, any of the 155-pounders. So, uh, Christian, who do you, I'm going to ask you, who do you, who do you put up against Darren Cruikshank next, if you're booking Ryzen? Shit, to be honest, I really don't think that there would be a bad matchup for him, but you have to think, who else is there on the rising roster that could actually face off against him? Because, of course, Chrome Gracie, he's out hiding. I mean, he's basically being tranquil right now. He's just (laughs) hiding out. Wondering what to do next. Yes. Talking to Igomi, I don't think that would be a <clears throat> I don't think that would be a tough test for Darren Cruikshank unless of course Takano Igomi basically brings some of that old pride FC skill back to him. 
And I don't want to see him fight Yusuke Yachi again for the obvious fact that Yachi knocked Kruikchenk out. What about a rematch and with a... Think, well, huh? How about a rematch with uh, Kitaoka? Oh, I think that would be... That would be pretty fun. Even though... Kruikchenk's probably going to have to... I mean, Kruikchenk's camp is probably going to have to double-check to see if Kitaoka added anything extra to his back. Yeah, that's true, that's but, true. Yeah, that would be... I mean, it would be pretty cool to see them have a rematch, especially seeing the fact that, spoiler alert for later on, Kita Oka lost. But, yeah. I think that would be cool to see a Crookshank-Kita Oka rematch. Mm -hmm. I agree. No, I agree. I agree. Um, and, um, I'll say this, you know, um, I think, you know, I, I think the Crookshank-Gomi fight is interesting, but... Uh, there was, uh, somebody else did put out a challenge to Gomi after they, after they won their fight. Um, so, who know, I don't know, I think a Crookshank-Gomi fight, uh, if it may not happen, if, if they're going to, uh, go, if they're going to have, uh, this other challenger face Gomi, this new, uh, Ryzen fighter. Mm-hmm, but let's talk about, I mean, let's wait till later on to talk about that. Of course. All we know is that Crookshank got the win and, you know, him fighting any other 155-pounder that Ryzen would put in front of him, that would be pretty cool to see because I think no matter, and I said this during the preview show, but no matter where Darren Crookshank, the Detroit superstar, is placed on that card, he's going to put on a show. Mm -hmm. And he did just that. Exactly. Knockout or tap out due to strikes victory over Tom Santos. So I hope we'll see more of him. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> now, do you want to get on to the next fight, the 130-pound catchweight belt? Oh, yes, because I'm pretty sure this 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 one we will talk about, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll probably talk about much longer than the, the actual fight lasted. So, uh, Let's uh let's get this to this to this match. Oh yes. Danong Saklek Tapnoi Tagamoitai defeated Tadaaki Onibosu, which is actually a form of fish, Yamamoto via three punch combo knockout, one minute and twenty six seconds of round number one, but it was basically what Tapnoi said about Japanese fighters in general prior to this event that really drew the ire of most of the Japanese fight fans. Now, what did he say exactly? I, I, I'm not familiar with what he said. Well, to be honest, and, and to be honest, I did not understand a single damn thing of what he said in the post-fight interview. <laughs> I don't really, yeah, I don't really understand time and what Joe Ferraro and really got over my head. But I think he was saying that Japanese fighters are weak. The, I, I will tell you this. Um, he, he, I admire him trying to speak English to the uh, English, uh, to people like me, Bruno Masami. But his English is not at that level where I think, I think, I, I think he knows what he's trying to say, but just he doesn't know the the right verbiage to say it. Mm -hmm. 
the right reasoning to say it. I exactly, mean, yeah. I right. probably wouldn't. I mean, if I check out the video of him in the post-fight presser talking, I probably wouldn't understand it either. But the only thing I did like about him, other than this performance that he did against Oli Bosu, that he had against Oli Bosu, which was a slugfest, was the little tribute he did in his entrance, paying homage to the Wild Boar soccer team that recently got out of that cave in Thailand. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um... I mean, I don't know if you might have seen it because you were busy interviewing Derek Kupchank and Tom Santos, but it was a pretty cool little tribute that he did for the Thai soccer players who were recently rescued out of that cave and the one Navy SEAL that passed away trying to get them out of the cave. I Unfortunately, I have to say, you know, uh, yes, actually, Darren Kupchank was being, was, was during the, uh, during the media rounds when, when his was his entrance was happening. So unfortunately, I did not know if and to tell you the truth, I may not even have recognized it um, without, because if they had mentioned on commentary, it was in Japanese commentary, and I wouldn't have understood. Uh, they probably mentioned it on uh, English commentary, correct? Mm-hmm. They did. Um, actually, if you don't mind... I just, I'm just curious to know, uh, in terms of English commentary, how were Joe Ferraro and Frank Trigg uh, this, this go-around? They were all right. It's just that when it comes down to Ferraro, and I understand he's Canadian, I understand that he can get a lot of things messed up, but the way that he mispronounces Japanese names it just makes me cringe. <laughs> I'm sorry to hear that. I- and I, I know I know you and you get you you are stick with for getting the names correct, so that must I'm sorry, that's that must that must be like nails on chalkboard for you. Yeah, exactly. But overall back fight. Like I said before, this fight between Topnoy and Oni Bolsu was an absolute knockdown drag out brawl for the ninety seconds it lasted. Yeah. Um, actually, it was the short, shortest fight on the card at one minute and six seconds, and, uh, they, one minute, 26 seconds, actually. oops, excuse me, uh, and, uh, what happened was that, um, uh, credit to Oni Bozu, uh, he did knock down, uh, Topnoy during the match, he, or he, he rocked him, I would say he rocked him, mm-hmm. uh, but, uh, Topnoy managed to, to recover, and then fired back on on uh, Oni Bozu and mm-hmm. got him in the corner and just wrecked him with punches. And he was he uh, just fell just fell down cold <laughs> in the corner. It was it uh, it was it was a scary knockout. It was ag- it was a legitimate scary knockout by uh, Topnoy. Yeah, I bet it was. I mean, it basically proves that. Muay Thai fighters, especially Muay Thai kickboxers, they are nothing to play around with. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but, um, of course, uh, as, uh, as it was originally mentioned on our preview podcast, this was really supposed to be a different fight. It was supposed to be Top yeah, Noi. It was, it was supposed to be Top Noi versus Kai Asakura, but Asakura 
got injured, of yes. course, prior to this fight card. Yes. And like I said before, if that fight would have happened instead of this one, I think it would have been Top Noy that would have gotten the knockout treatment. Yes. I mean, that would have gotten knocked out, but... Well, I don't even think knocked yeah, out. He would. He, I think he could have been submitted even because you know Kai Azakura is just a better well-rounded MMA fighter. And would have just been like, oh, Top Noy, you know, he's gonna try to knock me out, so I'm gonna take him to the ground where he can't knock me out. So and and submit him that way. Yeah, and he probably would have taken those words about, I mean, words from Top Noy about Japanese fighters being weak, way too much to heart because of the fact that, well. <laughs> He's basically one of the craziest fighters that the Ryzen roster has, but yeah. I think I wouldn't mind seeing that fight happen down the road between those two. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will I will say uh, also uh, during the post-fight interview that that he did with us, uh, Top Noy said he would like to face Kai Zakura, but with elbows allowed. Oh, <laughs> now that would be sweet. Um, it would be, yes, that, that, um, uh, I, I'm not too familiar with Muay Thai rules, or elbows are allowed in, in, uh, in, uh, Muay Thai? Yes, elbows are allowed in Muay Thai, it's just that when kickboxing fights happen here, especially with Lion Fight and Bellator, well, actually, with Bellator more specifically, elbows are not allowed, but, yeah, in Muay Thai, elbows are allowed. Um, so yeah, he clearly wants the, he wants the, uh, the Muay Thai advantage on his side if he faces Kai Zakura, but, um, as, as for those that don't know, uh, Ryzen will, does, uh, have, uh, will, will allow elbows if both parties agree to them, but if Kai Zakura were to say, if they were to come to Kai Zakura and say, uh, hey, uh, do you want elbows in your fight with, uh, Top Noy? Um, and he said no, then no elbows would be allowed, so... Mm-hmm. There's that, um, but it was a uh, great showcase for Topnoy. Uh, yeah, truly, yeah, truly, you know, good to see you know so, uh, so, uh, a a Muay Thai fighter uh, make it uh, make a very successful so far transition to MMA, um, mm-hmm. and hopefully he can continue that uh, that success going forward with m- maybe more high level opponents that are that are well-rounded in other areas of uh, mixed martial arts. Exactly. Now, let's go ahead and go on to the third fight of the evening, which was a battle of the mothers. Yep. Luffy, me, you, Yamamoto, defeating Saori shooting star Ishioka via split decision. Now, of course, (coughs) Yamamoto trained in... Long with Spike Twenty Two for this fight camp. Yes. Um. Yeah. They talked about this in the uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. The, yeah. They talk, they talked about that in the confessions video. Yeah. She uh. She's uh normally with um. Doesn't she know? Uh, isn't her regular camp with Crazy B? Yeah. Her regular camp is with her brother's Crazy B camp. Yeah. So you know, it was actually surprising that she decided to um. I don't want not 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 leave Crazy B, but go someplace else to try to. I guess fix the holes in her game, um, I, and uh, it uh, whatever whatever they did in Guam, it, it certainly they, they they it worked well to, to give her a uh, split decision win over Ishioka, who we um, uh, both picked to win, 
uh, to beat Miyu Yamamoto. And, uh, well, that, that's not what happened. Miyu Yamamoto managed basically, and I'm actually a little bit confused. I, I'm not, I'm, I don't see how it was a split, how it could have been split, because I just basically saw three rounds of domination by, by Miyu. Do you agree with that? I mean, yeah, I can probably agree with that because for once, Miu was better than her record said she is. Yes. And yeah, I know I basically picked Ishioka to win this fight because I downplayed Miu's record, but I mean, come on. Miu basically trained on Spike 22 in Guam in addition to her camp with Crazy B in Tokyo, so I'm pretty sure that she learned a hell of a lot about resilience yes. when it came down to that fight camp. Oh, yes, absolutely, absolutely. Um, and um, based, uh, probably the most... Um, I, don't know, I guess the, uh, the, the thing, that, the most <laughs> memorable spot of, uh, of the entire fight is on, uh, when uh, Ishioka got that armbar on uh, Miyu in the second round. Um, because this is always something I've always had, uh, uh, I've always noticed about Miyu, is that Miyu tends to get into s- caught in submissions that she should be mm-hmm. avoiding, that, that she should, that she could easily avoid, but just, she just, she always gets caught in these, in these really simple submissions. But, um, during the match, um, she said that, uh, that her, that the armbar was not fully locked in, which is why she did not tap out. From from the from the mm-hmm. vantage point of watching on camera, it looked like that that Ishioka could have broken her arm, but Miyu said that no, that the, this arm bar was not in, even though it looked like it was. It looked like it could have been painful from from the uh, television's perspective. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was basically three rounds. Of... Sorry, go ahead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and when it came down to Miyu's post-fight interview. In Japanese, she says she was happy to fight for Ryzen and get the win. And in English, which, <laughs> crazily enough, she does speak fluent English, she wanted to for that. Blah, she wanted to thank her Spike Twenty Two family. She wanted to thank her family in Toronto. She wanted to thank, obviously, everybody above the sun, including her son Urson and her baby brother Kate Yamamoto. Uh, unfortunately, during uh, during her post fight interview, Saori Ishioka, she was, uh, she was an emotional mess after this match. I bet she was. She could not hold back. She could not hold back her tears. She was trying to, but she clearly was. This this fight this loss was very very brutal for her. Um. Mm-hmm. And I almost feel like that that she I don't want to say, it didn't seem like she was saying she was retiring yeah. but you know that vibe you get that like I that someone's retiring or gonna retire or this may have been their last match I felt like I got that from Ishioka mm-hmm. during the during the post fight interview I don't know if you said anything anything since then uh, that you can recall but I haven't she just seemed like she was going to this may have been her last match. Right. I mean, 
I know that she was a lifelong veteran of Deep Jewels, and this was only her second fight outside of that promotion. But, yeah, I've heard of stories where people basically say, oh, you know, I didn't play my best today. Maybe it's my last game, or I didn't fight at my 100% best, and I basically keep getting jobbed out. Maybe it's my last fight, but... The way that those two women showed themselves off in that ring, I mean, I felt like that was a damn good fight. I mean, it was obviously a good win for Miu because it basically boosts herself up into more higher competition, but hopefully she'll get a fight the next time that's actually more of her speed. But Ishioka was just trying her damnedest when it came down to this fight, and you obviously heard the one judge giving the fight for Ishioka, but I don't really think that if it is the end for Sorry Ishioka, <laughs> I think that the best thing for her would be a grand farewell, you know, maybe just one last fight, just to prove that she still has it. Mm-hmm. Which obviously she does. Now the super anime division, you know, I, I I think I might say that that's that's honestly the most packed division of all of Ryzen. So they mm-hmm. have they have every I, I don't know who is there anybody who you think might uh might be a good matchup for Ishiwoka if if that uh that is her uh, if that if this will be indeed her last match. Well, to be honest. I think I wouldn't mind seeing Ishioka take on Elisa Tiny Tim Garcia. I, I swear to God. I swear to God, I was thinking that as well. I was really thinking that. I really thought that in my head right now. I was about to say that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing that shit happen. And, you know, if the Kanako Murata versus Angela Your Majesty Morgana fight turns out well... Maybe, just maybe, I wouldn't mind seeing Yamamoto take on the loser of that just to gain some confidence. And obviously, if it is Makana, yeah, good fucking luck. <laughs> um, it was, uh, uh, what about Miyu? Who do you think is will be next for her? Well, like I said, it would probably either be the loser of the Magana versus Morata fight. Or, if Ryzen really wants to be testy, and I don't know if giving Miu Reina again is a good idea, but, you know, if, for example, if this is Reina's last go-round, and we'll talk more about that when we get there, but maybe if Reina faces off against Miu one more time, it would probably be like a good show for those two, even though obviously Reyna would be getting one last go-round, one last hurrah before her curtain closes. But for Miu, I just hope that she... I mean, before we even think about Miu versus Reyna too, if that ever happens, or Miu versus Magana, which obviously might happen, I wouldn't mind seeing her face somebody more her speed. Mm-hmm. I got gotcha. you. Really I got gotcha. you. No, know, that, that no, that totally makes sense. Um, uh, I'll say, uh, I just every time, 
I'm just amazed by the athleticism of Miyu in all of her matches. For someone her age and her her skill, she, I am just, I cannot believe how naturally athletic she is at this, at this stage of her life. It is incredible. Mm-hmm. It is incredible just to see her, like, her just, there are 20, there are 20 and 30 year old fighters who do, who, who gas out, and we'll talk about gassing out uh, very shortly uh, with one of the matches, uh, one, mm-hmm. immediately run one round in, but she looks like she's going for a jog beyond, like, even if it goes beyond, uh, when it goes the distance, it's quite amazing that she is, she is such an athletic specimen at, at her age. Exactly. I mean, to be honest, she is in an age right now. I mean, at the age of 43, where she should be thinking about the next stage of her life. But to be honest, <laughs> If she's basically doing this at 43 years old and she wants to continue, who knows where her career will take her, you know, probably up until her 50s, mm-hmm. if she decides to make this a career. Um, the only thing that I think that she has to try to do is, I think she has to get a definitive finish in one of her fights. You know, you know, the uh, having decision wins is good, but... I would like to see Miyu get a definitive finish, just like just so that her record could have something that shows that 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 that, that truly. Ref- I know, like I we said it before that her record now doesn't really reflect on the type of act- athlete that she is, but I think she has to kind of she has to get that that solid finish to truly put a to truly elevate her in the super atomite division. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. Now, you want to get on to the next fight when it comes down to... I mean, but first of all, before we even get into the next fight, we have to talk about what it replaced. Yes. Of course, we... I mean, no way, naturally, let's talk about all the things that happened before this fight. First of all, Rin Nakai... Versus Shizuka Sugiyama was supposed to happen, but unfortunately, Ren Nakai ended up getting acute nephritis, inflamed kidneys prior to the weight cut. Yep. And, of course, in the sort of pseudo-intermission, we ended up getting a little bout announcement for Ryzen 13, hitting Deep Jewels anime champion Mino Kurobe versus... In former Invicta Animate Champion Ayaka Hamasaki, and Hamasaki made a little quip saying, I'm in my late 30s, I have no boyfriend, I just really want this fight badly, and stuff like that. But then, Sugiyama came out, and I barely understood anything of what she had to say, but you can tell that she was upset that the fight did not happen. She was upset that this fight would not go, and, you know, she just wants a shot in rising just like everybody else. Yeah, basically, um, uh, Sugiyama, um, if this makes sense at all, and, and I'm going to guess to a lot of Westerners it's not going to make sense, is that she basically apologized for the fight not happening, which 
you know, obviously it was not her fault, you know. She mm-hmm. she didn't she didn't she didn't pull out the fight ring Nakai did, but Sugiyama either I don't know I don't know if Ryzen told her to or if she insisted or if it was an agreement by both parties or or something. She went out there and she still apologized uh, for the fight not happening, which I I mean. I guess that's okay, but it just, eh, it was something that was not necessary in my opinion. I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. Well, to be honest, even though it wasn't her fault, I mean, she still feels some of the guilt because, you know, she was supposed to have this really great match with Nakai, and it basically did not happen due to Rin's shortcomings. <laughs> Obviously, when it comes down to waiting, having a illness that could have basically killed Nakai. Yes. Because I don't know if you've seen all these weigh-in stories about people dying trying to do accurate weight cuts, but that obviously could have happened to Nakai. Yeah. No, so, no, you're right. I can understand where Sugiyama was going with that. <laughs> but, uh, Let's, uh, we'll, we'll talk about the big news, uh, with Hamasaki, uh, so I guess she's, she's, uh, is she vacating the, her, the Invicted title, the, uh, Animal Invicted? Oh, she already vacated that damn title. That title has since been given to former Road of Sea veteran Jin Vu Frey, and obviously there's a lot of controversy to go there with that fight and how it happened, too, with Mina Grossender, but... The point of the matter is, Ayaka Hamasaki vacated the Invicta title long ago. Okay. And uh, I think this was supposed, I mean, the last fight she had against Melissa Sophia Caracciannis of Toronto was supposed to have been her last fight, but she decided to, you know, give it one more go. And, um... Would would you say that this is a uh, a uh, a big uh, a big get for Ryzen having Hamasaki? Yeah, it is. I mean, because to be honest, when it comes down to it, Ryzen has stars, but they don't have like big time stars, and Hamasaki is a big time star. I mean, of course, much like Kyoji Horiguchi. She had, like, championship gold in her possession. She was basically one of the top fighters of her game. And, you know, <laughs> I think it'll only be a matter of time before she displays her true skills in the rising ring. Not like what happened when it came down to that Karajianis fight. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, what about Mina Kurobe? What do you think about Ryzen getting her? Um... Is this a a good get for Ryzen as well? Well, of course it's a good get because when it comes down to it, she represents Deep Jewels, and Deep Jewels has a partnership pretty much with Ryzen Mm -hmm. where they basically have some of their fighters, like King Reyna, fight for Ryzen and also fight for Deep Jewels at the same time. So, yeah, I'm pretty sure that this will lead to more fighters from Deep or Deep Jewels to come over to fight for Ryzen just as long as it's not one of those terrible Mongolian fighters, which we'll get to uh, in a little bit. Uh, I'm dreading talking about that fight, but, uh, so, um, 
Uh, I think but, it, come on, let's hold your horses. Yes. Let's talk about the kickboxing bout that happened before that. Yes. The fight that replaced the Nakai versus Sugiyama fight. Yes. And that was shootboxing star Kaito Ono defeating strong Yoshia Uzatsuyo via knockout. Me and punches one minute twenty two seconds. And this, round number two. Um, of now course, this was a three three minute round kickboxing bout. So, mm-hmm. so basically, they had very little time to display themselves. But wow, yes. Um, this fight was this fight was unexpected. Wouldn't you agree? Yes, absolutely. Um, and I have been uh somewhat critical of Rising putting on kickboxing fights. Um, I don't, I don't begrudge him putting on a fight, a kickboxing fight in place of this, uh, in place of the, uh, Ring Nakai, uh, uh, Sugiyama fight, but, uh, I do, I, this was definitely one of the, uh, I think one of the more n- exciting non-tension Nasukawa kickboxing matches that they put on. Um, now, about these two mm-hmm. fighters, do they normally fight at 154, or is this, do you know anything about, the, about, about, uh, about these two fighters, where they, how they, where they normally do their, uh, do their kickboxing stuff. Well, the one thing I know about Uzasuya is that he was a training part. He is a training partner of Tenshin Nasukawa. Kaito, most of his bouts took place under shootboxing rules, and of course, he's the shootboxing. Men's S Cup. No, wait. Actually, not the men's S Cup champion, but he's. One of the stars, the men's stars of shootboxing. So, basically, and of course, Kaito came into this fight with a 24-3 record. Uzatsuyo came in with a 4-1-1 record. So, basically, we already knew who was going to be taking this fight before the damn bell even rang. Now, I'm looking at... But, I'm looking at... As far as... Yeah. I was going to say, I'm looking at Ono... And he looks like he fights normally at he- at featherweight, but uh, looks like but they took but he took this fight at, at lightweight, and um and uh, Usa strong. Oh yes, and Usa strong. Usa strong, who uh, it looks like that according to his topology record is a lightweight fighter. Is that correct, or is that incorrect? Yes, yes, I think so. Because I gotta say, first of all, uh, Ono. Looked about like five inches taller than uh, Usa Strong. Yeah, he's yeah. Uh, Ono's five ten, and uh, Usa Strong is is five seven. So there was a quite a a, a little bit of a fight uh, a height disparity between the two. Um, mm-hmm. Also, <laughs> I I don't know what I don't know how it came across on television, but Ono looks like. He looked like a plastic Ken doll. His, do you did did you do you can you recall what his face looked like? Did it just looked like a very it looked very plastic his face. <laughs> I don't think it looked that damn plastic. But if you think that he's a Ken doll, then he's probably one of those badass Ken dolls <laughs> with the kung fu grip. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and also, who has the power to knock out uh, his opponent with a knee? Um, yes, and Kaito did say in the post-fight speech that he had that 
shoeboxers are tough people, and, you know, we should all keep an eye out for them. You know, I wish we would keep an eye out for them if their events were streamed to the world and not to their website. <laughs> well, that's an entirely different story that uh, we could go into, and uh, that, w- that, would, uh, that we could rant about, about shoeboxing not properly promoting their shows. Um, but uh, here, you know, as far as Kaito Ono is concerned, I think this is beyond just a one-off. I think that he might. I mean, if he does, if he continues to do well in shootboxing, we might see some more beautiful things when it comes down to him in this sport. So, uh, I mean, in the Rising Fighting Federation. Did you you want to you want to hear some ridiculous um, Twitter Twitter takes on uh, Ono? So after Ono's win, um, I there there were, I guess you could say Japanese uh, a section uh, a, a segment of Japanese MMA Twitter that wanted Ono to have a kickboxing match with Tenshin Asakawa. Really? <laughs> yes. I mean, to be quite honest, do they not fucking realize that Kaito is twenty seven pounds heavier than Tenshin? No. No, no, they don't. No, they don't. Oh my god! Because I was looking, I was, I was looking at this because I, I, I was using TweetDeck, you know, uh, tweeting out things, and you know, you see things retweeted, and you're seeing like people like things, and I'm just seeing, and you know, I'm seeing, and I'm seeing, it's not a lot of people, but it did, it did pop up in my feed. Uh, well, uh, <laughs> how about Ryzen book tension Asakawa versus uh Ono? And it just like slap the head, slap my head. <laughs> I mean, my goodness, these people do not. I mean, I understand when it comes down to this fight, it would obviously be an open. I mean, it would obviously be in a sort of a catch weight just to match the two competitors. But I don't even think and that. And obviously, Kaito wouldn't have to come in. I don't. I don't even think attention even. Yeah, if uh, if uh, of Ono, okay, so Ono fought this fight at one fifty four. So I'm gonna assume that he walked around maybe one sixty, maybe one sixty five, maybe even one fifty. I'll 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 put it. I'll, I'll I'll give him generous. I'll be generous. I'll say that he walked. He did this fight walk around way at one fifty four. Um, Tetsu Nasukawa is about like five foot three, five foot four, maybe five foot five. He is nowhere near one. Five four hundred twenty five pounds. Exactly, which means that he probably. Is it walks around and maybe at most one forty. So even if they were to have a match, it probably wouldn't even. It it would no. It makes no sense. It makes no sense. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it would. I don't think even 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 at the walk around at tension's not walk around weight that uh that they would even match up if uh Kato uh had a uh, Kato had a cut weight. <laughs> Everything, mm-hmm. but uh yes, this was a um. It was a um, it was a good knockout by uh, uh, Ono, and uh, yes, he probably this is not his last time, you know, in a rising ring. Hopefully, and uh, hopefully he continue his uh, his successful shoot boxing career because he's uh, he's very good at it. I'll say that. I see. Now, and I know that you want to tear the fuck into this particular fight. But we all picked 
all prevail to defeat Shoma Shibisai. We know that both Perel defeated Joma side via unanimous decision. But, really, we did not fucking know this fight was going to be that goddamn terrible. Well, uh, well, hold on, uh, sorry, just to, did, to correct you, we picked Shibisai, uh, Shibisai over Bolperev, right? Oh, right. Then I guess... Not only did we mess up when it comes down to picking, and obviously it's not truly our fault, but I think everybody who watched this probably need to get re probably needed to get re examined on how a fight is actually supposed to go. Well, well you know, because, here's, like, seriously, we you this know, fight was dreadful. This fight was dreadful from the fucking get go. I mean. To be honest, I originally thought that Bo Perev's record, according to Tapology, was 1-0. and At least for the end of that damn fight and from the end of our review, I thought, or I originally thought that he had a pro debut. But turns out, obviously, he did fight against Ari Gelly, but I did not know that he had three extra fights to go on to his padded record. Well, you know, you know it's funny I mean, I, that... I don't want to say I want to take credit for the uh, Orgelli fight, but nobody talked about it until I brought it up. I brought it up on the podcast, and that's when other people started talking about it. Um, right. So I don't, I don't, I don't want, I don't want to toot my own horn, but uh, you know, the I don't, I don't know. It's I don't know how like. Yeah, he had a fight against Oregelli, but even even besides that, you kind of figure uh, Shibisai, you know, who finishes all of his all of his Ganryojima fights um, in the first round, would have the obvious advantage in a MMA fight against a guy who is at the time that 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 at the time one and zero and and a pro. Uh, apparently Shibisai could not, uh, could not get that done. And the most exciting thing about this fight was when Bolpurev tackled, uh, took down Shibisai after the bell, uh, after the first round bell. And somehow did not get a yellow oh, card. That was, that was a bitch move. Straight up. Now here's the thing. I think the only reason why I didn't give him a, a, a yellow card was that okay. And here's a, here's a, here's a, something Ryzen's got to do because well I don't know if they, they did they explain on English English commentary the special rules for this match. Oh yeah, they explained the special rules in detail, which was soccer. Let's see, no soccer kicks, no elbows, and. Pretty much, eh, what am I saying? The fight was boring. They basically did nothing. I mean, my goodness. I was trying to stay up to watch this damn match and try not to fall asleep. That was how fucking boring it was. So I I had two friends uh, attend the uh, Ryzen show with me, and they both fell asleep in the audience during this match. Oh, Lord. And this is why, and I, and I said, 
I said this during the preview show, and I'm, I'm not I'm, again. I'm gonna toot my own. I'm gonna toot my own own her now. This, I I said this fight. If it goes beyond the first round, this fight's gonna suck. And this, you know, even though you know, say what you will about the first round, you know, as long you know, if this fight was finished in the first round, we could say, oh, you know what, finish in the first round, quick knockout, quick tap out, whatever, yada yada yada. But beyond the first, as soon as this went beyond the first round. I knew this. We were that we were gonna be in for a long night, and of course, this you know. I don't. Whoever whoever, Ryzen's contact or liaison for Mon for the Mongolian top team team Asar Horyu, um, people are they he needs he or she needs to be fired because I never. I never want. I never want to see another fight, another fighter from Asahoryu ever again in a Ryzen ring until they learn how to fight. Because this isn't the second time that 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 team has had a fighter put on a shitty performance in the ring. Uh, there was the first one was uh, last last year. Um, uh, Batarian Askovan. Yeah, bottom and ass, Chad Klein. And uh, we remember the uh, the rise and confession video where um, Asahoryu, Asahoryu, excuse me, um, basically tore into his uh, to his student and uh, for basically putting on a shitty performance. And Indeed. with this, after Bull Purev won. I quote one, I'll say, um, by unanimous, unanimous decision. He act he fe- he acted as if he won what it, the open weight gold belt from Ryzen. This, you know, when 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 fight, I know that a lot of people are saying CM Punk versus Mike Jackson. From this year is one of the worst is pop, is maybe worst fight of the year. I would say this fight's worse than that. This this oh, shit. I'll give you another fight involving a native Houstonian, Derek the Black Beast Lewis versus the Predator Francis Ngannou. I mean, it may this particular fight made that fight look like a fucking masterpiece. Let's be real. Yes. Uh, it was based. This was the worst. This is this is the one thing you I dread about when I hear heavyweight matches is just basically okay. For I'm gonna sum this fight in three and just basically just just simply that that uh, Bolpirev took down Shibisai and set, and basically lay on top of him for three rounds. That was basically the entire. The entire fight, he tried going for for mm-hmm. a, a for an Americana, uh, Bolpirev, but it was awful, and it was it was absolutely one of the worst attempts at a submission hold I've ever seen before. Um, the, and also just not to mention that Bolpirev. Uh, did you remember in the third round he got a yellow card, Bolpirev? Yes. What was that I for? Think I remember that, and I think he also got a fucking. I think he also got a yellow card for a fucking low blow. 
Early on. Well, no, because remember Shibitsai, uh, he he delivered that knee to the head when they were both on down the ground, and that he got the yellow card for that. But um. Oh. Okay. But then Volpirev, remember when the third round started? It looked, I think what happened was that his his team did not clean him off properly, so they gave him a, they gave him a yellow card. Oh, my, I think I remember what you're talking about. The shit ton of ice dumped in that room. Dumped in that one corner. Yes. That was dripping right off of Bolperin's fat ass body. Exactly, exactly. So we have we have not only a fighter who doesn't know how to fight, but also a corner who doesn't know how to corner properly. That is uh, that that is amateur level shit. And you know, thank God that every other fight after this was fantastic. Uh because if this was, if 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 this was the main event to this show, let's just say you know, you know, uh, what 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 fight number was this? This was they had they had uh, ten, eleven, they had uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, ten fights on this card. Let's just say you know, well, usually UFC cards are are, are five are usually have five fights on the main event on the main card. Let's just say if this was, mm-hmm. let's just say if this was the main of the main event. To a five fight card, I might I might forget. Want their motherfucking money back. Exactly, exactly. Because I have a friend. He has a great. Uh, he, he he has a great quote. That I like to say, you if the movie may be good, but if the ending sucks. You're gonna remember all you remember is that the ending sucked, and this is what. You Come know, to think of it, I'll give you a basketball analogy. If it's if it's basically like the Cavs Warrior series, where you had three great matchups, and then the fourth one is just a drizzling shits after the Warriors swept the Cavs, then it turns out, you know damn well, something's up. Yes. Um, I'll also tell you this. So, um, so uh, Bolpirev and uh, Shibisai, they did their press, their... Um, their interviews during uh, Brandau uh, Kitaoka and Gomi Gillard respect uh, uh, respectfully, and um, wow. I, I'll tell you I'll tell you this the their their post fight interviews were very very short because nobody wanted to talk to them exactly. nobody wanted to talk to them they rather have seen the 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 fights that were happening with them but also I feel like if it had been any if any other fight. They would have not wanted to talk to him anyway, because exactly, wh- what do you talk man. about? What do you, what do you? How do you say? How do you? How do you? How do you get get across? What what can you? What, what do you say to Bolpirev that like? Are you happy with your the win, the way you won? What do you? You wh- can't exactly because you knew that fight was dreadful. Exactly. Um... This this is my this is my contender for. And the fact that, and if I may interject, the go, fact by, that the go ahead, go ahead. three fights after that lasted way shorter than that shit was. Uh, it's, it's fucking sad just to see how this fight even managed to make it onto the call. Well, in the previews, it was a fucking fight just to see if it would stick to the wall. It was like. Sticking shit up on the wall and see if it sticks. 
Well, that's the other thing as well. Remember, this fight was announced literally the week. It was literally announced the week before the week of. Uh, it was literally the the last the, the week before the fight uh, the the actual fight uh show. It was that week. It was it it was like. Well, it should have never been on the goddamn card anyway. Exactly, exactly. Um. Yeah, I hope I hope. Mon- and, by the way. By the way, did you see Asahoryu's tweet to Bolt Perev after the fight? No, I did not. What, what, what was his words of wisdom? Well, to be honest, and I think I'm about to go ahead. Asahoryu. Let's see. You can still hear me, by the way, right? Yep, I can still hear you. Lost you for a bit there, but I can still okay, I can hear you I'm now. Basically, yeah, I'm basically searching up this tweet right now, you know, on-the-job search and shit. <laughs> mm-hmm. But still, point of the matter is, the fight was not good. And, I mean, my goodness, this fight is so dreadful that it makes me want to try and chunk something into the wall if my walls weren't already messed up as they are, but still, the point of the matter is, I mean, this was an absolute clusterfuck in every stretch of the imagination, and to be honest, I don't see why it was on the card, I don't see why Bumper Realm's even fighting, I mean, I just don't see how the hell this shit even managed to make it onto the card other than the fact that they were losing a few stars, so they needed to have something on the show. Well, also, I think they, they, they had it because when you looked at, when when you take out this, this, this fight, there's no heavyweight fights, and Ryzen has always had a, a heavyweight or openweight fight, and so I think this fight was put in there, was shoehorned in there to, uh, to to have that heavyweight fight that they always uh that they always have. Usually it's mm-hmm. with better people. Not in this yeah. case though. Oh, I would just also like to say as well, so my the audience booed at the end of this fight. The Japanese audience never rarely ever mm-hmm. boos. And they did this they did this time. Andrew? Yep, I can hear you. Who are you? Oh, Where okay. you? Oh, you found the tweet? Sure. Did you did you find that tweet that uh that Asher Horu uh sent sent out to uh Bolpirev? Uh huh. What what is what did it say? I'm trying to check right now. Uh, let's see here. I mean, it's going to take me a little bit. Give me a second. But still, point of the matter is the fans, like you said, the fans were booing the hell out of this match. I mean, they didn't even give Bo Corral a fucking mic afterwards just to make sure that he had nothing to say about this shit-ass fight. Yeah, it was... Pr- 
I feel uh, we've talked about this fight way longer than I would have liked to. Uh, when there's so yeah, much, I know probably even longer than the fight itself. Yeah. But still, it was just bad. Yes, it was like just nuclear bad. It absolutely was. I'm trying to search for the tweet that Asahori you said about it, but it's like trying to find a new one in the haystack with all these. Other tweets, no disrespect <laughs> to the people of these Mongolian language or the Japanese language, but yeah, obviously this fight sucked. And yeah. let's never talk about it again. Exactly, exactly. Um, so uh, you want? Should we want to go and talk on talk about the next fight that actually was good? Oh. Yes! Let's talk about the next three fights that were actually better than this clusterfuck. I mean... Uh. So, now we are talking about my expectations because of the fact that obviously... Gomi came in 160 pounds. Gilliard came in three pounds overweight, started the fight off with a... Was it a red card or a yellow card? Uh, I believe it was a uh, yellow card. Actually, before that, uh, um, uh, wasn't it the, the brand... Oh, oh, damn it, damn it. My yeah. bad, my <laughs> bad. I forgot about the sweet, beautiful violence that was Diego Brandao versus Satoru Kitaoka. Yes, yes, I'll just... I mean, did you, I mean, I know you probably didn't see Diego Brandao coming out to the Rude Sandstorm and acting like he was Vondelay Silva, but the dude basically wanted to prove, he wanted to prove that he was worthy of fighting in the, he, he obviously, very happy of being in the Rising Ring and being in a promotion where, you know, he could probably raise just as much hell as he can deliver, and he did do that against Kitaoka, writing down hammer fist from a heel hook position in 90 damn seconds. Uh, yes, uh, this is also, um, just, it's also be pointed out that Brandau, uh, fighting, fought at 155, lightweight, um, of something that mm -hmm. he hasn't done in a long time, if I remember correctly, um, <laughs> Mm -hmm. And uh, we both pre did predict that Brandau would win, and you know the knockout obviously was uh, was in Brandau's favor. Uh, Taking on Kitaoka, mm -hmm. who has you know about twenty submission wins, but not one knockout in his forty fights. Uh, and what happens that um, mm -hmm. Kitaoka um, uh, got a, got Brandau's leg, tried to do a heel hook, or uh, mm -hmm. uh, but. Um, Brandau blocked it, and then just started raining punches from from the fires of hell right on Kitaoka. And, uh, you know, props to Kitaoka. Kitaoka did not want to give up that leg for his life. It was, it was, it was, it, it was like, it was like that. Kitaoka literally acted as if that, that leg of, of Brandau's, he depended on the hold on to that leg for his life. Because he did not give it up at all. Even when he was knocked out, he still held on to it. Which I thought was really funny. Um, 
But yes, Brandao knocked out uh, Akitaoka. One minute, 30 seconds in the first round. What a great way to make a, date, a return fight. Debut in Ryzen as well. Um, because uh, Brandao's last fight was uh, last year when he fought for Fight Nights Global. And um, lost due to uh, walking out of the cage during a fight that uh, yeah. was... Um, I'll, I'll just say, it, it was Russian. That's all I'll say. <laughs> yeah. He went from disappointment to complete and utter joy. And I hope that Brandon... I mean, like, come to think of it, Shank says he want to fight the best 155-pounders out there. Shit, why not Brandon? That's a good point. That's that, would a- be a, that would be a solid fight, wouldn't you agree? I absolutely agree. Uh, Brandau, though, has other plans. During After his post-fight uh, interview, he said that he wants Gomi. He said he wants to take on Takanori Gomi. What do you think about that? Well, you know what? And I wouldn't, I really would not be surprised if either Gomi versus Brandau or Crookshank versus Gomi or Crookshank versus Brandau happens, but Wow. These fighters. And if you want to throw in Yusuke Yachi in the mix, that's fine. But oh. still, these fighters, they can put on a show no matter what. Yachi and versus... I just hope that when it comes down to the Brandau, when it comes down to whoever Diego Brandau fights next, whether it be Crookshank, Gummy, or whoever, I mean, Crookshank, Gummy, Yachi, or whoever, I'm hope that he continues to rain down more beautiful violence like he did against Kitaoka. Absolutely. And as for Kitaoka, as for Kitaoka, the quote, one half of the legendary rap group Mob Deep, the late great Havoc, <laughs> of, I mean, the late great prodigy of Mob Deep, stop blocking with your hands instead of your face, bitch. No, start blocking with your hands instead of your face, bitch. <laughs> You know, because he basically got beaten, like, you no, know, he basically got beaten the fuck out of with those damn hammer fists instead of trying to defend himself while he was putting the submission on Brandell. He basically left his face open for a shit ton of punishment, which, to be honest, when it comes down to submission hold, I'm not. Christian? Andrew, you there? Sorry about that. Uh, yeah, could you, Andrew, could, you there? Yeah, sorry about that. Uh, okay, but still, one you, other matter I was trying to make is that I haven't, I mean, I think that a lot of people should start defending submission holds more with strikes because if you seen what Brandon did to Kitoka, you would probably take that as inspiration to try and break out of a submission hold flat. Uh, just like that. But as far as Brandau's career goes, as far as whoever he fights next, I don't know. But I just hope it'll be spectacular. When you said Yachi... Now, you go the next fight? Absolutely, but before that, I just want to say I absolutely wholeheartedly agree if, if, if Yachi-Brandau happens. I would... That is such a compelling fight. That That is an incredible... 
That might be one of the most compelling fights that Ryzen could put on. Yachty versus Brandao. But, uh, yes, I would... Uh, let's, uh, let's continue on this streak of knockouts uh, with the next fight. Uh, you Feel free oh. to take it away. Yes. Of course, we know that Mel Gilliard came in. Andrew, can you hear me? Yep, uh, hear me, yeah, yeah, continue on. You were talking about Melvin Gillard missing weight? Yeah, Melvin Gillard missed weight by three pounds. Gomi came, I mean, both men came in with long losing streaks dating back to 2014, but my goodness, that fight, which lasted in two minutes, 23 seconds, and ended with Gomi knocking out Gillard, I mean, it felt like neither one of them had Neither one of them had losses to deal with. It felt like they were basically just slugging the shit out of each other just to see which one would fall first. Mm -hmm. And obviously, Kilyard did straight flush punches, 2 minutes and 23 seconds. So just to put, put some context behind these two fighters. So, um, Gomi mm -hmm. last won back in 2014 when he beat Isaac Valley Flag by unanimous decision. After that, and match, that was in March of 2014. That's correct. And then after that, it was just a string of finish uh, of losses, uh, mostly by punches, but also some by submission, including one by uh, Yachi uh, last year at the Ryzen World Grand Prix. Um, mm -hmm. And then, um, yes, originally Andy Sauer was supposed to be uh, uh, Gomi's opponent, but then uh, signed up one one championship. So they signed, uh, they, they got Gillard, uh, and, um, Gillard also, not the, also of a, uh, long, uh, losing streak of, uh, of, uh, before the Gomi fight, one, two, three, four, five, six, yeah, he basically seven. Yeah, basically had a win since July 5th, 2014 against Jay-Z Calvacante. And also just to, uh, just to, uh, put into modern context who, 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 uh, Gillard lost to. He's been fighting at middleweight. He's a five foot nine gen guy who's fighting at middleweight, and he, one of his one of his recent losses was in twenty seventeen against new against upcoming UFC fighter Israel Adesanya. Not to mention one of his losses was against up-and-coming UFC fighter Muslim Salikov too. As well, as well, back-to-back -back losses. So. He's fight. He fought people that he should never have been fighting in the first place, and getting losses handed handed to him by them. But um, originally, we said that we were not looking forward to this match. Um, and we both. I think I we. Yes, we were both wrong. Yes, but we did correct particularly that we did we did uh, speculate whether Gillard would miss weight and uh, continuing that streak. I guess you could say he did miss weight. Um, there were some, um, some, um, what do you call it, um, special rules made for the fight that, uh, Gillard, uh, did they talk about this on commentary at all, or no? Yes, they did. They basically said, no soccer kicks, no elbows, he was wearing wrestling shoes, so no kicks as well. 
mean, well, what they, basically, what Giorg said during the post. He did say in the post-fight press yeah. conference, and I know you was there, so you probably heard this more than I did. Yeah. But he basically said, if you're going to strip away all my tools, I probably would have still been fighting Western MMA in the UFC. Yes, he did. Ex- he did exactly say that. He said, you know, well, you know, I came to uh, to Japan to fight like I fight like what, what how they fought in Pride. If I want to fight uh, how they fought in the UFC, I would just stay in UFC. But um, he missed weight. Yes. Yeah. Um, regarding the wrestling but shoes, though, when it came down to the commentary as well, when it came down to Joe Ferraro on commentary. He did say that Gubby wants to be a lightweight and a welterweight in Ryzen. A welterweight and... I mean, can you believe that? You want so... Sorry, so, can you say... I just want to make sure I heard that. Did you say that correctly? Oh, hold on. He wants... Gomi? Yes, I said it correctly. Gilliard wants to be a lightweight and a welterweight in Ryzen. Oh, excuse me. Uh, Gilliard... Okay, um... I have nothing to say to that other than if you can make weight for uh, welterweight, okay. But he's even not made weight for welterweight in his in his career. <laughs> Indeed, and he's fought as high as middleweight in his career as well, and he couldn't make weight for that either. Uh, so are we gonna have to have like a special guard weight division or something? Every time he fights, he's going to have to be a special ca- catch weight? Probably so. <laughs> um, because if it was a struggle for him to make weight for 163-pound catch weight fights, imagine the struggles he would have at welterweight and middleweight, which he's already had. Um, also, just a comment about the wrestling shows. What he, what he said during the post-fight interview was that when um that he was not allowed to do kicks to his opponent to uh, Gomi because of, of missing weight, so that's when he said uh, he was gonna wear the wrestling shoes. He said it was not part of his uh, game plan to do any wrestling. He was just told, you know, hey, if, you know, he said he figured if I can't kick, you know, might as well just wear the wrestling shoes uh, since I can't do it anyway, even. Yeah, but he did throw a few kicks in the bout, obviously. Yes, but yes. he just couldn't do soccer kicks. Yes, exactly. Soccer kicks. Excuse me. Yes, soccer kicks. Um, so yeah, so there's that, um, but, um, uh, I could tell, I'll say, uh, basically, this was a slug, a slug fest, a good old slug fest, as they say, a slobber knocker, as Jim Ross might say. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and, sorry, go and ahead. When it came down to Gomi's post-fight speech... Gomi said that this fight was only the beginning for him. No decision. I mean, this fight was basically his from the beginning. No decisions, only knockouts. He hates competing in the summer, which is kind of ironic because of all the times he fought for pride and during the summer. <laughs> That's funny. Sorry if you're not hearing me, Andrew. Sorry, I'm pretty can, yeah. sure this will probably go well in the editing process. Just repeat what you just said. Uh, you were talking about Gomi uh, not wanting to compete during the summer? Yeah, Gomi doesn't like competing in the summer because 
Probably because of the humidity and heat outside, but he used to fight in the summer all the time and pride. But he thanked his cornermen and his fans for coming out and supporting him. He was upset with QER for missing weight on both the weigh-in, I mean, on both weigh-in attempts, really. I mean, obviously, who would be upset at Gilliard's weight-missing attempts? <laughs> exactly. And although Gomi still can't believe he won, he wants to fight maybe one or two more times. And this was the part I really liked, even though I don't drink alcohol. Everyone should crack a cold one in his honor. What is it? <laughs> uh, what do they call They call those Gomi quotes or Gomiisms or something? What, 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 what are... What? Yes, um, so, I mean, you know he loves his beer. Oh yes. Um, I I always find it interesting some of the diets of uh. Sorry, go ahead. I mean, my goodness, I, I mean, I probably can't blame him for saying that. To be honest with you. Um, have you ever heard about Sakuraba? Sakuraba's uh thing where. After a fight, he would just he would just smoke like a pack of cigarettes and drink a beer. I'm surprised. I mean, to be honest with you, I'm surprised that Sakuraba hasn't gained that smoker's voice. What his voice is like, really, really hoarse. Yes, yes. I know that that's that that smoker's voice. I know that you're talking about. Yeah. Um. Mm-hmm. But um. But, did you yeah, see um? drinking habit. I mean, he said he stopped drinking beer when it came down to one of his upcoming fights, even though he's still lost. But I think that him saying everybody should crack a cold one in his honor, it really suits him well. <laughs> Did you see him do the uh, Tito Ortiz uh, I mean, bury, bury his opponent after, uh, he, after he knocks him out? Yes, I did see that. I also seen how he jumped off the turnbuckle. Again, oh God! Like he used to do in Pride and in Dream. Oh God! He almost he almost fell. His cornerman had to like hold him up because he was about to fall. Yeah, I mean, maybe he should probably took some advice from Dynamite Kid Tom Billington. Don't do top rope moves, otherwise they'll ruin your back. Exactly. Um, I'll <laughs> say, I'm also gonna the, the other comment I have about this fight is uh, so in the media center. We're all the way down in, in, in like in the in the basement uh, in the basement area. So we're we're like all the way, I don't not underground, but we are we are very far, we're kind of far we're underground from where the arena from where the uh, the crowd is watching it. But I could hear I was able to hear the crowd go go insane for when Gomi knocked out Gilliard. Mm-hmm. It was that loud of, of a pop I mean, that you were, that you could hear it all the way, all the way down in the media center. Mm-hmm. And that was pretty cool too because you know it basically shown how much fans change from that god awful open weight fight way up to these three consecutive knockouts that just happened. The other thing I want I want to ask about you know, about about this fight. Uh, so um, on Reddit, you know. You know, and this should already be a mm-hmm. warning. Um, there was some speculation that uh, Gior took a dive. Really? Are you kidding me? You know how people are. They really? they they try to 
You know how they try to like do like the JFK thing where they do back and to the left. There were people posting. Uh, they were they were go, they were gifting when Gillard was what got the uh the the second the uh the first punch to his the hook to his uh to his head and saying oh it didn't actually mm-hmm. touch him. You know they were trying to like make it look like it was um. Um, what was it? The, uh, like it was the Ali, um, the Ali fight where, uh, Ali, yes, Ali Frazier with the Phantom Punch. Um, yes. Oh, actually, no. No, no, no. Actually, Ali versus Liston. Liston, yes, excuse me, yes. Yes, the Ali with the, uh, the supposed, uh, Phantom Punch that knocked out Liston. So, um, yes, that, there was some speculation among, uh, R slash MMA um, redditors that uh that this was a uh that Gillard was paid to take a die for Gomi. That's a lie. I mean, my goodness, these people can basically cook up their own conspiracy theories as if they're Alex Jones or some bullshit. <laughs> I think that they are really full of shit themselves because they think that Gillard took a dive in this fight. Then they must be getting their heads examined because I don't think that Gilliard, even though he's not going to fight in exactly four years, I don't think he'll be, I don't think he's be stupid enough to take a knife. Oh, exactly. No, you're absolutely. Oh, my goodness. Oh, no, Go ahead. No, no, no. You are absolutely right. Um, and um, I'm trying to remember who I think it was uh, Megaton on Twitter who uh, posted about that, and so. Um, AKA at based on Jesus, J- I mean G E E Z U S. Yes, uh, po- uh, posts magnificent gifts for a lot for fi- for lots of fights. So uh, you know, if you love gifts, definitely go to Megaton's Twitter. Um, but uh, yeah, but still. Point of the matter is, Gilliard didn't take a dive, but I hope he lives on to fight another day, and hopefully, if he does fight for Raza again, even though I know they're strict when it comes to weight, and they probably don't want people fighting again if they do miss weight, but... You know, uh, uh... Sorry, you're gonna have to. Uh, you dropped out, Christian. Yeah, sorry. Just what were you, what were you saying about? Andrew, That's fine. The point of the matter I was trying to say is that if Gilliard fights for Ryzen again, I hope he can get his weight issues in check. I hope so too. You know. Um, because the last thing I want, yeah, the last thing I want to see is him end up winning a fight and it gets overturned into another no contest, which would be his third. Because of that, basically. Well, you know, well, you know, remember, uh... Well, actually, actually, it would be his fourth no contest, as I'm looking at my MMA opinion fight results right now. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, um, Japan, Japan, uh, Japanese MMA takes their weight, uh, you know, if you, if you're contracted to make a weight, you are to make that weight. There is no if, ands, or buts about it. Um, mm-hmm. they take that shit seriously. And for good reason. And, you know, uh, I'm trying mm-hmm. to think of fighters, you know, Kai Carr France, you know, after his fight, um, uh, after missing weight for his fight, we didn't see him rise again. Andy, Andy Nguyen, um, who we saw um, uh, miss weight for the uh, women's anime tournament, 
uh, hasn't fought Versus for Ryzen. Yep, uh, didn't hasn't fought for Ryzen since. But she wants to. But the thing is, Lewin wants to fight for Ryzen again. It's just that it's going to be a long, hard road for her to do so. Oh yes, uh, and we'll, we'll, you know, also we have uh, probably the most infamous uh, way missed weigh in was uh, Gabby Garcia, um, who the, she's only fought for Road FC since uh, since missing weight. Um, Maybe she'll have a fight this year for Ryzen. I we I don't know, but so far, um, it's a uh, well. Let's well. We're gonna probably talk more in depth at the end of this review yes. about who she will be facing next. Yes, exactly, exactly. Uh, but uh, what's a finish off with the streak of knockouts? Um, with this light heavyweight match, so you could go ahead and take it over, uh, Christian. Oh yes. Yearly Denisha Prokaska defeated Bruno Enrique Cacosa via knockout. Via knockout. Punches after what I called on the MMA opinion blog, Beautiful Violence. Mm. One minute, 39 seconds of round number one. In his post-fight speech, which was basically done from Czech to Japanese and then back to English with help of Joe Ferraro, he said it was a tough fight despite how quick. I mean, Jury said it was a tough fight despite it ending quickly. Even he was surprised, but he had to react quickly because of Bruno's. <coughs> I'm sorry, Andrew. I just keep dropping out, but still. Pohaska said it was a tough fight, even though he was surprised by how he won. And he wants to continue on his journey and get better as a fighter. And I basically, I mean, in the introduction to this fight, I clearly heard Lenny Hart say it was the road to Mirko Kokov. After that performance, I wouldn't be surprised if Jury faces off against Mirko at the end of the year. I, re- I yes, I think we even speculated that, um, that, uh, that, uh, this was supposed to be uh, Krokop versus uh, Prokoska. Um, um, but obviously the Krokop couldn't do it because Krokop uh, had, uh, had the injury during his uh, uh, training for his fight against Roy Nelson for Bellator. Um, but since Ryzen never officially announced it, you know, we, I guess we will never know, but I'm pretty sure it was supposed to happen on this, on this card, I hopefully, feel like. You know what? Hopefully... Hopefully it will happen. Oh yes, it will. I'm I'm a hundred percent sure. The, I bet you are hundred percent sure. But when it comes down to this matchup, it would basically be like Miracle passing the torch to the new generation. Yes, yes, it would be. Um, and we uh, again, uh, there was another fight that we both predicted. Um, in fact, I think it was the shortest. Uh, the shortest discussed fight that we had on the preview podcast where we basically said that Jerry Prochowski is going to win this and the only way that he could win this is if he, if he like fell and broke his leg or something. And, um, I'll give, I'll give, uh, Capitals the credit. You know, he did rock, uh, Prochowski with a, uh, with, with a, with a punch, but, uh, it was just, he was not fast enough to capitalize it. And, uh, Prochowski recovered and just, uh, basically, as you said, beautiful violence, just, just, just knocked the shit out of Capaloza and just sent him into the uh, into the netherworld. Yeah, but 
Come to think of it, we already talked about what might be next for Pro Oscar. What do you think would be next for Capelosa? Um. Juice. Because if you think about it, he is the current Jungle Fight light heavyweight champ. He's the current Demolador Fight light heavyweight champ. And both of those promotions are in Brazil. So we'd be back down to the jungle and then coming back with a better game plan? Well, he uh, also, he's 0-2 in Ryzen right now. Um, oh. That's another factor as well. Um, he's not a bad fighter at all, but... Clearly, the competition. Not by any means. He, the competition in Ryzen is different from the competition in Jungle Fights. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think you know, you know, light heavyweight. Um, uh, that's a tough one. Uh, who could he? Who could he fight a light heavyweight in Ryzen? Um. How about, nah, wait, because then again, all of the talent, all of the talent they had in the 2015 Openweight Grand Prix, which was at light heavyweight, I don't think they'd be able to get anymore, especially King Mo, considering the fact that he's going to be fighting for Bellator more often over the next year plus. Exactly. Yeah, no, you're right about that, uh, and, um... I mean, I guess you could, if they ever have a light heavyweight um, Grand Prix, you know, have him in the, uh, you could uh, have him uh, in the tournament. Um, Or if they have another open weight um, Grand Prix, have him in the tournament. Um, uh, I mean. It's okay. I'm pretty sure we're all confused as to what his next plan might be. Would you say that he could maybe go up the heavyweight? And maybe do a heavyweight fight? Probably so. Um, yeah, unfortunately, I got no definitive answer, you know, unfortunately for him. Um, uh, yeah, that's all I, that's all I, that's all I can honestly, I'm pretty sure he'll be pushing his weight somewhere where he'll be respected. Even if it's back home in Brazil for him, Defending his titles because obviously he's a fighting, he should be a fighting champion. He should be wanting to defend his titles over there before coming back to Japan and doing anything else. Yes, exactly, exactly. Um, oh yeah, so you you were talking about uh, about translations. Um, that that's one thing I thought was really was really cool in the media center was that um, there would be fighters and they would they would translate from what from their respective language. To Japanese, mm-hmm. uh, to English, or mm-hmm. vice versa. Um, it was just—I just thought it was really funny because it was kind of like a—it was like a game of telephone, just in different languages. I just—I—I was—I yeah. I, you know—I I just want to also give a shout out to the translators as well, who uh, who all did great jobs, you know. And you know, obviously, translating is a uh, is an incredible, you know, if, if you if there's if anything there's anything that. I can tell you about uh, about MMA is that there's nothing worse than a bad translator, as uh, as we saw from this past UFC show with uh, Josie Aldo knocking out uh, Jeremy Stevens. Um, that uh, a, 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 oh my 
my God. Let's not talk about that show that happened this past Saturday night as a pre-show, literally, to the rising card. <laughs> uh, only in the context of bad translators is what I will bring up in terms of, of that show. Uh, that is all I will say regarding mm-hmm. that show. That, you know, hire good translators, uh, MMA promotions, um... Especially UFC, but uh, what what is uh we are? Let's go on to the next fight. Please. Yes, yes. The co-main event, which was the rematch between Kyoji Horiguchi and Hiromaso Gikugo, and after a fifteen-minute brawl that these two had, Horiguchi came out victorious via unanimous decision over his once rival Ogikubo. I gotta say, this is the first. In his post fight speech, Gucci said that it was a great win after 15 minutes, but he was sorry that he didn't get the win via finish. He knew Ogikubo knew too well, and vice versa, so they just neutralized off of each other. He wants to get back to the rising ring stronger than ever, and even though he didn't say it, he basically wanted to honor the memory of his master, his first trainer, who recently passed away. Yeah, um, I, I, that's enough. I'm I'm just gonna go off on a little tangent. And just say also that I think that the that the VTRs that they make for these um, for these fights that Ryzen produces are fantastic. They are so good, and especially the Horiguchi one was incredibly emotional and it was incredibly moving the entire video. Um, I don't know what your thoughts on on their VTRs, but I think they're I think they're some of the best in the M- in the MMA business. Yeah, I basically cried after watching the VTR video for like the third time, and it was basically you. It was like I was having a damn out of body experience. It was like I was at a Manchester United game or something. <laughs> <laughs> but. But still, the the VTR videos that Ryzen has done, they are incredible. And I doubt that the UFC can come up with anything better, which they can't. Exactly. (laughs) But going back on that fight, going back on Hoikuchi versus Ogikubo too, I mean, we all know that this was supposed to have been a warm-up fight for Hoikuchi, but... Yeah, it was anything but. It was? It was absolutely not. And I will be happy to say, you know, I'll t- I'm will I'm going to take a big L for this because I predicted that this would end in the first round by Hor- uh, with Horiguchi stopping or submitting o- Ogikubo. And I didn't think that Ogikubo was going to put up any sort of respectable fight against Horiguchi. And I could not have been more wrong. So I take a big fat L for this, for, for my prediction. Ogikubo, basically, this entire the, the entire fight was Ogikubo saying, if you... The only way I'm going to lose this fight, the only way this fight will stop is if you kill me in this ring, Horiguchi. Huh. It, 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 and basically, you can see in the, I mean, in the VTR video that led up to this fight, you obviously heard that Ogikubo was going through some hard times, that he was basically going through some really tough stuff. Like, yes. obviously, his Wife breaking up with him after missing out on the ultimate, I mean, after losing the ultimate fighter contest against Tim Elliott, 
basically his career in shambles. He's now having to live out of his friend's house or something. Oh, yes. Uh, we talked about it. Uh, yeah. They detailed it on, on the Rise of the Confessions video, and we talked about it. Yeah, it was an incredibly depressing vi- a vi- a so- mm-hmm. side of just someone who's hasn't, you know, for someone as long as Ogi Kubo has fought, but is not, has not reaped the rewards of somebody like Ohura Gucci has when it comes to uh, an MMA career. Mm-hmm. Exactly. But and it's sad to see somebody so down on their luck going through stuff like that, and you know wondering what's wrong with them. I don't even. I mean, I can't really say for certain that he was probably wanting to actually go through with the fight, but he knew he wanted to go through it because he was basically wanting to try and make good on a second chance against Horiguchi. Obviously, that failed. Yep. So, I just have to ask you, we all know what Horiguchi will probably be doing next. Uh-huh. What's next for Horiguchi? Well, I said this immediately after this fight. I wrote, I, 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 I tweeted out... Dear Ryzen, please sign Ogi Kubo for more fights. Thank you. And they should absolutely do that. I want to see Ogi Kubo as a regular Ryzen fighter um, for the promotion. I don't know, you know, um, if um, I don't know if he'll have any, if he'll have to work out something with, uh, <coughs> excuse me, with his uh, with his current promotion, uh, Shuto. Um, but if he can, if if you could somehow be in more Ryzen fights, hopefully getting bigger paydays, I would absolutely say please Ryzen sign him because you know this was this was a his as they say in New Japan his fighting spirit could not be killed. He had he had incredible fighting spirit. Um, Horiguchi tried to submit him at times. Um, even, even trying going for the rare, for the rear naked choke that ended, ended their first match. And, and, and Oi Kubo was able to defend successfully. Um, he, Horiguchi got, got, uh, Oi Kubo, I don't know how, how this happened, but he got Oi Kubo in a, in a tree of woe and delivered soccer kicks to his, to Oi Kubo's oh. head while, while Oi Kubo was, was hanging from the, uh, Turnbuckle. I, I, I don't even know how it happened, but it happened. But Ogi Kubo still would not go down. Ogi Kubo was a bloody master after his fight. He 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 basically went in there and said, "I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna go out of this fight. It, the only way I'm gonna lose this fight is if I die." And he did everything. He he in the first round, he actually got was able to take down Horiguchi. And but unfortunately, you know, Horiguchi's Horiguchi. He was able to rebound and uh, just sm- just like smash around and and, and take down Ogikubo uh, at will. I want to see Ogikubo fight more for Verizon. That's what I want to see him going forward. I don't know who, but I want to see him in the ring more often. Yeah, I really hope he does get the chance to fight in the Ryzen ring because you saw how he, I mean, you basically saw how he was going through that fight. I mean, he was just like, you know, if this is my last fight, screw it. I might as well go with 
I might as well go out with the best of my ability. And I don't think that he's done quite yet. I think that he should be fighting more for Ryzen and more for Shudo. Because I think that even though he did not get his chance to fight in the UFC and probably might never will, I think that there is more to him to fight in, in Ryzen and in Shudo than meets the eye. Yes. Um, uh, a question, though. Oh, absolutely. I absolutely agree. Um, yeah, he, that's a great way to, to, to say it, is that he went, he, the way that he approached his fight was that he said that, it, it was as if he said, okay, this is, if this is my last fight, I'm going to go balls to the wall out. And, you know, I wish, you know, I, I think that I wish a lot of more MMA fighters would have that mentality because I think some could get wins. We even, uh, by doing, by doing, by approaching it, he could have played this fight safe. Try to do safe things to try to to beat Horiguchi, but he didn't. He basically was a wild animal in there, and though Horiguchi was able to tame that wild animal, Okubo showed a side that I that he showed a side to to uh, 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 this fighting spirit that was just incredible. Absolutely incredible, and I hope that he's absolutely rewarded for 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 more with more fights for Ryzen. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope he does get more fights for Ryzen. And as far as Fori Gucci goes, I don't know. I mean, if this does lead to him facing off against Tenshin Asakawa, I hope that they. Don't fail in the production for this. I hope so too. Um, I mean, like seriously, I hope that production value does not fail when it comes down to this fight. Uh, question though, did you see what Ogi Kubo had uh had uh shaved into his head when when he was fighting? No, I did not. What did he shave into his head? I don't know. I could I couldn't tell what it was, but he it looks like he had something. It said, I think it said the. On the on the left side of his head, I think the other side says something else, but I couldn't tell. It was very hard to to see somebody's um, very hard to see somebody's head, uh, pay t- pay attention to somebody's head when when they're getting thrown around and uh, moving so fast. But that's all I was able to see, unless um, unless it was he did he did a Minoru Suzuki thing with his he- with his hair looked like, but it had words on it. Right, right, but. Probably didn't get what he shaved into his head. But, wow. That fight was pretty cool. I mean, like I said, like we said, hopefully we'll see Yogi Kuba win more fights again, and hopefully if Ryzen can get on the ball with the production and make this fight between Horiguchi and Nasukawa seem like something incredible, I just hope that they can try and do everything they can with it, even if it is part of a tournament, of course. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, sure. Now, before we get to the main event, I know you probably, I mean, I know you were in that little bunker with the rest of the media folks just getting interviews and stuff, but did you hear about... Raina coming out to 
Matsuhiro Chono's old New Japan Pro Wrestling theme, old Team 2000 theme. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I, I heard the old Team 2000 team, uh, 2000 theme. Um, and uh, we also we got a little uh, new, new Reign of World Order shirts that she was wearing. And also coming out in all black. Just like the, just like Mr. August used to do when he was the leader of Team 2000. Um, I, I can't remember. Was she wearing a leather jacket? Was she wearing a leather jacket? Yes. She yes. was wearing a leather jacket. Yes. Just, just like Masahiro Chono. Yes. The only thing that she was missing was the sunglasses. That's the only thing she was missing. Yeah, but still, though, that was pretty cool, even though a couple of things... Not that many people around the world probably have, you know, ever seen. I mean, what am I trying to say? Not that many people around the world would have probably thought a girl like her would come out to a theme that's, like, completely explicit. I'm pretty sure you heard the words that came out of that theme. I'm probably not going to repeat them on this podcast. Mm. But, yeah. Point of the matter is, I think some people, if I were to actually see mates, probably confused, but they paid no mind to it. I mean, still though, it was crazy to see Raya come out to something as dark as Masahiro Chono's team, especially for a girl like her, only to come, only to later make that walk down the ramp to her same usual poppy music. Yep. Yeah, oh well, this was uh, Reina's heel turn. This was supposed to be a new Reina, um, a, a a different Reina, and I think we definitely did see a different Reina in the fight. Um, yes. Uh, no. Uh, uh, this was not the no more the fun loving, you know, happy go lucky. I'm gonna be holding the um, those those fingers. Yeah. Yeah. The uh, Reina. This was a this was a heel Reina. This was a Reina. Who was angry? This was Arena. Who, who, who had a bone to pick? This was not. This was not Reina. You know, I'm. I'm happy to be here, knocking people out, and, and I'm the. I'm the. Uh, I'm the queen of. Uh, of the ring. This was. This was an. This was a totally different Reina, and I absolutely. And I'll. This is a. I'm gonna give Ryzen a lot of credit as well. This is where. This is why I love, I love Pride and I love Ryzen because this was this, this again. This, you know, if this were, shall we say, UFC, even Bellator, she would have come out to nothing but a Reebok outfit. Instead, we got we got we got a little story behind why Reina, Reina's whole persona change. And mm-hmm. it was, it was utterly, it was incredible and fantastic that she came out to this. Um, but, f- but before we get into the fight, the meat of the fight, I'm going to say this. Ryzen needs to never have a one hour intermission ever again. Why was that? Because you were basically waving around, seeing what was going on, and checking to see what was happening? Well, not only that, but also, for anybody who was watching on Fight TV, or who was there, 
So when when they told us, so mm-hmm. this they had this sync up since there were so many finishes before with the with the uh, previous matches, um, they had they ha- were airing the Kana th- this match Azuk Kana Azakura and Reina, uh, live on Fuji TV. Problem is though is that mm-hmm. the show was was it would have been too early to to air it on television. So they had to air other programming until it synced up to about I think it was nine o'clock or something. Um, Japanese time. Problem is, though, is that mm-hmm. it was about 8 o'clock when this happened. So, imagine going, you're at, the, you're at a show, it's a Sunday night, and then suddenly you hear on the microphone, hello audience, thank you very much for coming to Ryzen. Uh, we have to have a one hour intermission because we have to sync up with Fuji Television uh, to have the, the, the sole main event. That is... Mm-hmm. Insane, especially for the East Coast viewers uh, who are watching live. I can tell you that sometimes these riot shows go past 6 a.m. And that is... Yes, Eastern Time. So imagine, like, it's 6 a.m. You're enjoying this car. This car is moving so fast. All these exciting matches are happening. And suddenly you hear from Joe Ferraro and Frank Drake, we're going to have a one-hour intermission. Never again Ryzen should have this ever again. And if you know, they should have countermeasures to to prevent to prevent a one hour inter- intermission if they're if these matches are going by so fast. They really yeah, need to- but if you think about it if you think about it, the fights that happened prior to the main event, with the exception of the open weight fight, which we must never talk about again. Yes. The fights that happened all happened, like, so fast. It was so many quick, crazy finishes that, you know, people were just so hyped up when it came down to this. And, of course, we did get the announcement that Osunarashi Kintaro was going to be competing at Ryzen 13 in the middle of one of these fights. But the point of the matter is... That one-hour intermission period for somebody like me was meant to hype my crazy ass down in order to get prepared for the main event because, you know, you didn't want to sit down, get hyped up on snacks and stuff, trying to watch this thing, and then all of a sudden have all that draw down. All right. No, that's a good point. Uh, But I think a 20... They had had another intermission... Uh, during this car as well, but that was only about 20 minutes. I'm fine with 20 minute, inter- 20 or 3 minute intermissions, but to sit, to tell, also just put this in the context of and also. I think that 20 minute intermission you were talking about was after the kickbox, I mean, was after the terrible open weight bout. Exactly, which couldn't have come at a better time, but also you, you gotta put this in the context of people that are going to see this show. This is Sunday night, it's, it's late night, people have work the next day, uh, people, the the arena Sa- Saitama Super Arena, where the show was, is in a far off part of Tokyo, where it's only and the trains, the the, the subway to Tokyo, uh, subways in Tokyo also are not twenty four hours, they shut down at midnight. Mm. So, wow. imagine you know it's a Sunday night, and you are excited to see this fight. You're ex- you you are being told you have to wait one hour. Till nine o'clock, to to watch a fight when you know you got work the next day. 
I would not have. I would not have been so upset. Uh, I, I, I wasn't upset. I was more annoyed. But they they should have either had the card, the, this card. Well, no, because if it's at nine p.m., they can't have the card earlier. They sh- they. There's gotta be some sort of measure to prevent a one hour intermission ever again, because I think it's unfair to the live to people who are attending the show, and also people watching mm-hmm. that on on Fight TV. Or through uh, whatever other um, means they're watching Ryzen. That's just me personally. I understand the whole thing about getting hyped up for the main event, but it when 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 I was told that this is a one hour mission, I kind of just felt like, what do we do for one hour? What do you do for what do you do in an arena for one hour? <laughs> well, to be honest, I don't know. I mean, you see, in the fact that it was Japan, they could have probably had an impromptu J-pop concert or something. Exactly. For one hour. I'll tell you this. So, um, when I went to the uh, to the 2016 Grand Prix uh, Ryzen show, um, uh, Ryzen shows, um, the one that King Mo won, mm-hmm. uh, not King Mo, excuse me, that uh, Crow Cop won. Um, in between, mm-hmm. in, in between, um, during intermission, they had amateur fights happening. Wow. I can't. I, I can't. Think I remember what you were talking about. Yeah, I can't even tell you like who was who who even fought because that's like because I don't, I don't know any of the any of them. But they had amateur fighters from the uh, Japanese mixed martial arts scene fighting. I would be fine with that. Just something, you know, just something to keep us entertained for an hour. Or you know what? Yeah, instead of being they, instead of being forced to sit around an arena that stretches to thirty thousand people. Waiting for a fight card to come back on after a full hour. Or you know what? Have the show. If you if this needs to be on television, you know, negotiate for an earlier start time so that you know when it gets out, people don't have to rush to the train to make that to make that to make that last train, which is what I had to do because uh, I had to stay for the post fight press conferences with uh, with uh, Reina and Kana and uh, Sakaka, uh, Sakakibara. So. It was uh, it not only it, it was not only a burden, and I can tell you this as well. It, uh, from uh, people I was talking to there um, that attended the show, they were not happy with the one hour intermission as well. Um, yeah, I can understand that. Mostly because of the fact that you weren't gonna stick around for one full hour and just do nothing. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so yeah, there's. I just wanted you know. To, I think that was a very something important to bring up, and also just a lot of people on Twitter were also upset as well. Were, were I don't want you to say upset, but just more annoyed that it was a one-hour intermission because I don't think a lot of people were prepared for it, especially those watching in America. Um, but yeah, that's all I gotta say about the one-hour intermission. I mean, to be honest, I knew that there was going to be an intermission. Oh yeah, coming up before the main event, but. I didn't know it was gonna be a full hour long. Yeah, exactly. No, no. Same thing with me. I knew it was gonna be an intermission, but I, I did like if a one, a one hour. And that's the thing is that they probably, you know, if if it, it wouldn't have been a one hour intermission, had all those fights gone to a decision. So it's I, mm-hmm. it's understand. I, I, it's. I understand. It's not Ryzen's fault, but it's also their fault at the same time. That makes any sense because they. Uh, I mean, they negotiated the TV deal, um, so they kind of have to get a little bit of the blame of, of 
not preparing for a one-hour intermission. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's all I wanted to say about the one-hour intermission. But barring that, um, uh, let's talk about Kana Azakura versus Reina in this highly anticipated rematch. Yes. And I mean, to be quite honest with you, I thought this fight was better than the first fight they had, despite the fact that the first fight ended a bit controversially. But I thought this fight was better than the first fight that they had. And I basically sat up, watched it at like 6 in the morning, 7 in the morning actually, when it happened, and it was pretty damn good. But to be honest, are you okay with Kana Asakura defeating... Reina Kubota once again via decision? Um, well, you know, I did pick Reina to win this. Um, I thought that Reina would come back and learn from, learn from her mistakes, and she did. But obviously, not all of her mistakes. Uh, well, I should say all of her mistakes, all of her mistakes mm-hmm. just that Kana had more answers for her question, for, uh, for, for what Reina was doing. Um, the thing is, is that, unfortunately, you know, it's funny how, like, there's fighters who just, they have, you know, they they can defeat everybody on earth, but then, for some reason, there's that one fighter in their entire career who they cannot defeat for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think of some fighters right now, off the top of my head. Um, but, I guess, you know, Kana's, you know, if 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 you were to tell you know if I guess Reina's can if Reina was to be put against every other super atom weight fighter almost almost I'll say almost every other super atom weight fighter I would say that uh, Reina has a high chance of defeating them but I guess Kana Azakura is the one is that one is that one fighter who Reina just cannot cannot beat for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. And Kana basically said in her post-fight speech after thanking her fans that she was very impressed with how Reyna's skill and speed improved since their first fight. To her, it was more mental than physical to defeat her because it was tough. I mean, mostly because it was tough because Reyna is Kana's idol, but she's happy to emerge the winner of this feud that they had. And I don't know if it's over, but... I mean, my goodness, do you think that it's about time for Reyna to just hang up the gloves and call it a career in MMA well, you, and just head back to shoot boxing? You know, a lot of people, that was one of the big questions on uh, uh, going around Twitter um, was, uh, what does Reyna do next? Does she, um, is she going to quit MMA? Um, is she not going to quit MMA? Or is she going to go back to shoot boxing? Um... I think that Reyna can continue in MMA. I think we, what we've seen from her past fights in Ryzen, she is she has a, a solid foundation to be an MMA fighter going forward. I would like to see her match. I agree with you. I, I would. I don't. I think the talks about her retiring are a little bit premature 
I don't. I, I. I don't think she should give up MMA at this point. I think she can. She. You know, barring Kana, I think she put her up. A, you know, let's see against other fighters how she were. It, how she were. How she would uh, match up against them. Like let's see how Reyna could match up against Alyssa Garcia, or. Mm-hmm. Or um. <coughs> excuse me. Or or a a uh, or Ishioka if she's not retiring, um, heck even you know what you know I I would be intrigued by a Reina Hamazaki match. I know a lot of people are saying that uh, the winner of uh, Kana Azakura and uh, Reina should face the winner of uh, Hamasaki uh, in a, of uh, of Hamasaki's match. But I would be you know even at this point I would I'd be curious you know curious to know. Um, what 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 Reina versus Hamasaki is, even if she were to lose her fight coming up, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I I don't think that the, that the that the that Reina retiring uh should should retire and just stick to shoe boxing or, I think the, it's 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 not this is not a case of like when um, um, uh what was his name um not Riddick Bo who is the uh, who is the uh, boxer who um who uh, uh, James Tony. It's not a case of where James Tony. Yeah, James Tony. Yes, where James Tony went to MMA, and we clearly saw, oh, this guy she has no business ever being in an MMA fight ever again. Reyna has has fought competition MMA matches, and has won. Uh, in fact, she's finished all of her matches, uh, b- uh, b- before her first loss, uh, to Kana. Yeah, mm-hmm. she should absolutely continue MMA and just improve. And all the uh, and all the uh, aspects that she can improve in. What do you th- and you said you agree? I mean, my goodness, when it comes down to Reina, I don't know if she should quit, but if she does, she would be making a huge mistake. I mean, because I think that she has plenty. A fight left in her because of the fact that she has her shoot boxing career going. She has an MMA career that should be growing. Hopefully, she'll continue on with MMA. But I think that she would be making a huge mistake if she were to actually give up MMA and give up kickboxing for what? Celebrity idol status? Uh yeah, that's that's the thing. You know, that's the thing is that you know, also you know, let's be honest. I I don't think you know if she's if she's to make more more money. Uh, you know, I think there's a lot more money that she can make in MMA than she can do in shoot boxing. Mm-hmm. Um, shoot boxing is just never going to catch on. I think uh, at, at the level that 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 even kickboxing. Uh, shoot boxing is just I don't know it's just it just it that you know people say that kickbox they don't connect to kickboxing but I think that shoot boxing is even more of a niche martial arts that just will, I, will can't mm-hmm. catch on internationally so you know if she's gonna, if she's gonna want to make more money in her career and all that stuff th- certainly MMA is the, is the route for her to go. Uh, I will. Uh, I would like to point out uh, that uh, keeping with the pro wrestling aspect of this match, 
What do you think of Reyna's power bomb to Kana Azakura? Oh, that was beautiful. That really was beautiful. I mean, to be honest, maybe. I mean, you're saying that Reyna did this, huh? Yes. Yes. I mean, come to think of it, if she gives up MMA, maybe, much like Shiri Kondo, she could have a career in professional wrestling. <laughs> that's entirely true, yes. You know, that's entirely true. Um, she's young enough to start it, start it, start it at, a, at a time where, you know, there is a, uh, the, a woman's Joshi wrestling is catching on. Um Mm-hmm. So definitely, she wants to do that. She can definitely do that. Um, but I th- you know what? I think I'm gonna make a bold prediction that she sticks with that. She does stick with MMA. I don't think she's gonna quit it. I don't. I honestly don't think that. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, she doesn't. Because if she does, like I said before, she would be making a huge mistake. Now, um, before uh, what about besides uh, Kana Azakura? Uh, apparently dating uh, Tenshin Nasukawa. Uh, what do you think about what do you think about her performance in this match? Hey, I think she did well enough to get the win, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. But to be honest, I really do not know what's next for Kana. I mean, I guess only time will tell when it comes down to who she'll be matched up with down the line, but. I just hope she gets matched up with somebody good because I think she's done with Reyna. Yes, at this point, at least at at, at this era, at this stage, she is done with Reyna. Um, yeah, you know, it's probably going to be the um, the winner of uh, the Hamasaki Morobi fight. Uh, who she fights next? Mm-hmm. Yeah, she'll probably face off against the winner of Ayaka Hamasaki versus Mina Kurobe. But if it ain't that. I don't know who she'll be facing. I just hope it's somebody good. And somebody, you know, that it's, you know. It's not just another one of those damn gimme fights. Exactly, you know. And you know what? I still think that uh, Alyssa Garcia, you know, i like to see that rematch. I mean, do you really think so? I mean, she does have an under 500 record. Not to disrespect her or obviously get on the bad side of Josh Barnett. <laughs> I do think that Tiny Tim, uh... Uh, I think that, you know, if she was able to defeat Kana, you know, Kana should have the uh, the opportunity to get that win back if she wants to. I really do believe that, especially with, the, with how Kana's doing after. I think, you know, so, you know, if if she wants to, if she wants to say to Sakuraki Barasan, uh, I want to face Alyssa Garcia again, get my win back. Hey, let her do it. I see. Now, now we're done with Ryzen. Now, obviously, Ryzen 12 is in about two weeks' time. So I hope we get the chance to do a review on that because, obviously, Yusuke Yachi's original opponent was supposed to... Uh, I mean, Yusuke Yachi's original opponent for the Ryzen 12 main event was injured. So I hope we get a chance to do a review on that. But before we get out of here on this review, there's an opponent 
in mind that wants to face off against Abby Garcia. And I bet you're probably wondering who the hell it is. Yes, you you inform me about it, but I would like to uh, you 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 deserve all the credit to say because you're the one who brought it up. So you go ahead and say it, Christian. Oh, I bet you. I mean, I know you're wondering if the woman of the name of the woman that wants to face off against Gabby Garcia next is Randy Miller, R-A-N-D-I, Miller. And <clears throat> how this came about is she commented on one of her Instagram posts basically saying, are you really asking, are you really looking, do you need a next? I can be your next. Gabby Garcia said to her, we need more girls in the kitchen. You are welcome. Let's go. And obviously, Destiny Yarborough said, in next to that, just putting us together in the cage. There's girls all wanting to fight each other. But a little backstory on Randy Miller for a second. She is a 2008 Olympic bronze medalist in women's freestyle wrestling, 63 kilograms at the Beijing Olympics. She is a... Trained IBJJF competitor, a Texas Wrestling Hall of Famer, and she's 1-0 and o as a mixed martial artist. However, her first fight was at the first ever Invicta card back on April 28, 2012, when she defeated Molly Estes in Kansas City on the Marlis Kunin Rusin undercard. I mean... Do you actually think that this fight, I mean, do you actually think that Randy Miller would probably have what it takes to face off against somebody like Gabby Garcia? Oh, uh, the answer is a flat no. Um, <laughs> so, sorry, it's, uh, as to the but, fin- come on, I didn't, even, I didn't even mention how much Randy Miller weighs compared to Gabby Garcia. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, you're right, you're Randy right. Miller- you're right. Go ahead. Randy Miller stands in at 5 feet 2 inches and weighs in at 139 pounds. Probably more because she hasn't had a in years. Well, when you put... to Gabby Garcia. <laughs> well, what's... Yeah, what's, uh, we got, so we got 5 foot uh, 2, 139 pounds, and uh, Gabby Garcia... But, but still, what am I... T- Issues suck. Um, I really need to get an Andrew. Can you hear me? Yep, I can hear you. Yeah, I'm trying to basically explain the difference between Randy Miller and Gabby Garcia. Randy Miller is five two, one hundred thirty nine pounds, or probably more, because she has not fought a fight in six years. Compared to Garcia's six foot two hundred thirty six, I mean six foot two, two hundred and thirty six pound frame. Now, question: Do you actually think this fight could happen? Oh, I think it can happen. Whether, whether it, I'm not, I'm not gonna be one of those who's like, oh, you know, you can't have the fight because you know she's five foot two, one thirty nine pounds. Gabby Garcia is six foot three. 
uh, 200 and whatever pounds. I'm not going to be one of those people. But whether it should happen now or later, I think that at least Randy Miller should have a few more fights so she can at least have some sort of experience and not going in there with a blindfold over facing the Gabby Garcia because it's just it, the even if you take away the size disparity, the the skill disparity is obviously on Gabby's side, and mm-hmm. yeah, that's 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 it simply. That's that is it simply. Do I don't know. What are your thoughts? Obviously, obviously, I don't think that this happened mostly because of the height discrepancy and the weight discrepancy. Also, the fact because of Miller being a former Olympian, being a former Olympic bronze medalist who had, to be quite honest, I mean, crazier things have happened in JMMA before. That's why there have been things such as the Super Hulk tournament in Dream. And I know you remember that, as I do. (laughs) (laughs) But... I don't know if this fight should actually take place because of the fact that Miller has had one fight, obviously, in mixed martial arts. And that one fight was six years ago. Gabby Garcia is a lot more of a dangerous beast compared to Randy Miller. And I think that if this fight were to have happened, it would be a simple squash match. Exactly. But, hey... I can't blame Randy Miller for saying she actually wants to continue her fighting career. Nope, I don't blame her either. If she wants I really to fight can't it, blame her for saying that. If 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 she if she if she's asked by by Ryzen if you want to fight Gabby Garcia, and she says yes, I'm not going to be one of those people who not going to be an angry Twitter warrior and be like this is this is an insult to the to the long lineage of uh, MMA uh, and this is and all that stuff. No, if Randy if she, Randy Miller is an adult. She, if she's offered, if she, if she thinks that she wants to do this, and she's offered, and the money's worth it, then let her go ahead and either get the shit kicked out of her or go in there and try to try to win against Gabby Garcia. Either way. Yeah, but, yeah, but like I said, stranger things have happened in MMA before, which was why you had an opportunity. To see the Dream Super Hulk Grand Prix, which yep. was why you had the opportunity to see Daiju Takeshi beat the late great Emmanuel Yarborough. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. I mean, it's basically why things like CM Punk fighting happened. But still, point of the matter is, what's to say more weirder things can't happen? can't continue to happen in the world of MMA. Exactly put. Exactly put. Um, before we go, though, uh, I just want to uh, re- read off uh, the uh, Ryzen 11 uh, attendance uh, that that we... Um, Ryzen 11 attendance was actually up yeah. for this show uh, for this year compared to the show that they ran in uh, around the same time last year. Uh, for this show mm-hmm. that they just had at Cinema... They drew that the attendance was seventeen thousand nine hundred and twelve people. Now I do not know if that's how many tickets were sold or if that's how many people were in the seats because there was 
there were some empty seats from what I saw when I originally got there, but they could have been filled up as it, as the show went on. But it, we're gonna. But this compared to last year, I think they drew around seventeen thousand seven hundred. They did increase by about two hundred, so they did get more people than the last year for this uh, for their July August uh, summer show at Side of the Month. Um, also, uh, I would like to read uh, some feedback from uh, two listeners regarding this show. Uh, Go right ahead. We have two loyal listeners uh, who chimed in about uh, about this show. First, we have is back to the grave. That's back to the number two, the grave, and you can follow him at the original underscore CJS. Again, that's the original underscore CJS. And this is what he had to say about the Ryzen 11 show. Really enjoyed it as always. Fight of the night was kind of worse than Mongolian sumo. Favorite fight was the main event. Uh, excuse me, fighter of the night was kind of. Favorite Sorry, fight. Sorry, my connection kind of broke. What were you trying to say? Sorry about that. Oh, yeah, so, uh, so back to the grave. He, um... He said that he really enjoyed uh, the Ryzen show as always. That the fighter of the night was Kana, mm-hmm. the worst uh, was the Mongolian sumo, and that the favorite fight of of his was the main events. And I think, um, uh, for you know, uh, pretty uh, that's a pretty uh, acceptable opinion um, of the show. Um, I couldn't agree. I mean, I couldn't agree with. Back to the grave more. I mean, if I had a fighter tonight, I mean, if I had a fighter tonight candidate, it would either be Kana Sakura or Diego Brandao. But I have a feeling that Kana Sakura did do her best in order to actually win this, I mean, win the main event. Exactly. Yeah, props off to her, props to all the winners and those who tried in this damn fight card. And there is another Twitter user that you would like to talk about that posted his comment about the fight card. Yep, uh, that will be Tom, who you can follow at P- at at P O L one A K O V Paul Wanakov. I'll read that again. That is at P O L one A K O V, and that is Tom, uh, another uh, loyal listener. And he wrote that uh, Gomi, win- Gomi winning his fight by a crazy KO was something special. It brought back some great memories. Definitely the f- the fire the the fire of the night. And um, I would definitely say you know you know um, going back uh, when I, deciding my fight fight of the night and performance of the night and all that stuff. I definitely think that. Um, or the and the MVP as well. Gomi was the was the MVP of this show. I really do think that. Mhm. And if he does end up fighting one more time or a couple more times, he should probably have one of the greatest career resurgences in the history of mixed martial arts. Mixed martial arts. So I want to also ask you, Christian. Well, um, so uh, what were your what was your fight of the night and your and your two uh, two performances of the night and MVP? 
Well, for one, for a fight of the night, it damn sure wasn't that open weight fight. <laughs> oh, please, for God's sake. But, yeah, no. my fights, yeah, my fights of the night were the Crookshank beatdown of Tom Santos, the Miyu Yamamoto victory over Saori Ishioka, and, if I'm not mistaken, the Yuri Prohaska beatdown of Bruno Capelosa. Those were my fights of the night. Ah. And I think that Gomi should have been, I mean, I think that Gomi would be the event's MVP as well. Exactly. No, I'm in concurrence. MVP was Gomi, uh, along with, he deserves a performance of the night. You know, I mean, all the all the fighters deserve a, a performance of the night, but if you have a gun to my head, Gomi and Brandao, both uh, with the performances of the night. Um, and with fight of the night, uh, it's a tough one, but it's, uh, I'm gonna, you know, Horiguchi versus Ogikubo. I thought that was mm-hmm. an incredible, that was an inc- just, that is probably one of my favorite MMA matches of this year. Um, just such an incredible match. Um, but, um... That's all. Um, that's all we uh, we have to say about Rising. Well, I have to say about Rising Eleven. Do you want to say anything else about the show, uh, Christian? Well, to be honest, it was a great show, with the exception of that one fight. And I hope that when the next Rising event that happens in less than two weeks' time from Nagoya Aichi Japan happens, it'll be just as sweet as this was, even though. There's some concern about the main event between Yusuke Achi and, well, yeah, there's basically concerns with the Yusuke Achi main event that was or is supposed to happen. I don't know if it's going to happen now because his opponent is injured. But to be honest, I just hope that this fight card, I mean, I really hope that, and I'm looking at the Reports right now, Bruno Carvalho was originally supposed to fight Yusuke Yachi at Rising 12. Obviously, that fight's injured, so we'll know more about that in the coming days, and hopefully we'll have a review on it, I mean, a preview on it when it happens. But as far as this fight card goes, I can't wait to see what Rising does next. I just can't. How about you? Um... Well, I'm definitely looking forward to our, to the Ryzen 12 card. That definitely looks like something uh, amazing. Regarding a preview show, so unfortunately, being that I'm gonna still be in Japan at the time, I'm, I'm gonna try. We'll try to work out a schedule, hopefully for something. Because um, um, right now, and, it, sorry, go ahead. What and that? if that doesn't happen, would it be okay if I do a preview myself? If you f and then yeah, go ahead and send and send and yeah, and you uh you can send it to uh to me and I'll send it over to the uh, editor uh to uh do the editing and stuff. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Okay. As well, um, regarding okay. a review show, that will be even harder, and I'll explain why. So since I'll still be in Japan when the when the show happens, I'm gonna be attending the G1 Climax when the show is happening. So G1 Climax is gonna be at Nippon Budokan in Tokyo. Rise is gonna be in Nagoya. So when the Rising show is happening, I won't be able to watch it on on television because I'll be at Nippon Budokan, and I cannot watch it on Fight TV because it's going to be geo blocked on Fight TV here. So 
Mm-hmm. I'm going to probably not be able to even watch the show until I get back to America. So, what, there, there will be a review show, but it will just have to be, like, it will probably have to be the week that I do get back from America so I can actually sit down and watch the show. Like, it would basically be us two trying to do a review after you get back from being jet-lagged? Basically, well, even, well, I would, uh, basically so, yeah, I would have to, like, immediately put, watch the show, like, you know, and take notes and all that stuff, um, and just, and just, mm-hmm. yeah, so that, uh, probably a review show won't happen, will, will either happen that week, like, the end of that week, or weekends, um, oops, excuse me, and, um, that yeah, that's probably how I have, have to do a review show of Ryzen 12, yeah, I mean, it looks like a pretty good card. I mean, mainly it's the main event, which is up in the air right now. But it looks like a, a pretty darn good card. That I, I I would love it if I wasn't going to G one. I would travel to Nagoya to watch it. But unfortunately, Ray bought my tickets for G one, so I can't. Uh, I'm not giving up those tickets to see Ryzen. I understand what you mean, but you know, if this happens, you will have. Hopefully, when the time comes, when that G1 climax date happens, I hope you'll have as much fun as I will watching this rising card. I hope so. I mean, even though the main event is up in the air, it is going to be incredible still. And the other thing I got to do as well is I got to avoid spoilers. I like to go into shows unspoiled, so I'm going to. I'm literally going to have to be. I'm going to have to turn off the the We Are Rising Twitter for for a few days before I come back and. And actually watch the show because I don't want to be spoiled. You know, I want to go into sh- I want to go into the show blind as as best as I can. I see, but other than that, you know, hopefully I'll do your proud with this preview. If we, I mean, if you, ah, damn, what am I trying to say? Hopefully, I will do you proud with this preview because it's going to be way shorter than the three hours we've already done. <laughs> Exactly. (laughs) Other than that, that, the next week in Japanese MMA should be fun. And, you know, when Ryzen happens in Nagoya, it'll be pretty interesting. Other than that, exactly. You know, as usual, let me go ahead and get my plug out the way. For those of you that want to follow me on Twitter, you can follow me at Gary92. Search for me and add me as a friend on Facebook under the name Christian Gary. And oh, by the way, as far as focus fights, and I'm trying to pull up the page right now, and you can also check out the We Are Rising podcast on SoundCloud, as well as on at We Are Rising Pod on Twitter. And as far as focus fights, to Vincent Prospects from around the globe. This stream, I mean, this phone's really kicking my ass. I'm sorry that you couldn't hear me doing the plug because I got it on my end, but still, just follow us on Focus Fight, I mean, on at Focus Fights on Twitter, and you'll see what I mean. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, when, when, when I get, you know, when I get back to... Anything else you want to pull out the hat, dude? 
oh no, I just want you know when we get back to America, when I get back to America, you know these hopefully these internet issues won't be as won't be as bad. Um, you know, unfortunately, you know that's what sucks doing doing uh doing a, a pod, uh, an episode all the way from the other on the other side of the world. You know, there's just gonna be, and I'm also I'm also using my uh I'm using a Wi-Fi device to uh to talk to you um uh, through my uh. Through uh, my computer, so um, the hotel wi- the hostel Wi-Fi is not that good at all. So I'm using my uh, my portable Wi-Fi device to uh, and you know, you know, shit happens, you know. So you know, nothing, nothing mm-hmm. wrong at all, nothing wrong at all. But other than that, it's been fun talking with you. Hopefully, the next time we do one of these, it'll be way shorter than what this has been. But still. You can't really stop having a great time over a great fight card, and you know, hopefully, Rising Twelve will deliver just as much as this has. Oh yeah, it's, uh, yep. other than that, that's our show. Yep, this has been the We Are Rising podcast, and like Rising Fighting Federation itself, we too discover MMA. Exactly. Thank you. We can go ahead and close the show, now, Andrew. Thank you very much, Christian. I appreciate. It. So we will. I thank everybody who listens to this podcast. I thank everybody for their feedback, and I appreciate the discourse and discussion uh, of the Japanese MMA Twitter verse and uh, Reddit verse. And I, well, all I can say is I appreciate all all the listeners, and I hope you all enjoy the show. And we look forward to having you for the next show. Take care and have a great day. And as Lenny Hart always says. We are right. I can't do. It. You might as well go ahead. Like that. <laughs> uh, I, well, maybe, maybe we'll, we we should we. Uh, let me give it a try. Let me give it a try. We are. Nope, nope. My voice cracks. Can't do it. Can't do it. Yeah, just played the damn effect already. <laughs> We're done. See you next week. <laughs>